Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Home ice advantage. Okay, so Coach Craig Berube, you still focused on home ice going into the season finale tonight? Yeah, no, that's you know, we talked about it today. Like, yeah, we want to go play a good game. You know, that's what you got to focus on. Just go out and play a good game. Play, you know, play to our abilities and what makes us successful. And by the way, it would surprise nobody if the Blues would win and if Colorado would jump on Minnesota to beat them in regulation. It's going to be a fun night of hockey. Not only watching the Blues play, but checking the scores. It's going to be really, really interesting. But I would not be surprised if we wake up tomorrow morning and the Blues have home ice. I wouldn't be surprised either. That'd be great. Do you want them to have home ice? Because I just keep thinking about what David Perron said, and I have that rattling around in my brain, and I think back to 2019 and how... The Blues were so focused when they were on the road, and sometimes, even though the Blues have been great at home this year, sometimes the pressures of playing at home can get to you. They can, but I would rather have the comfort for people like Thomas and Pareko and Buchnevich. Really, who so? Yeah, I, I would rather have the the comfort for those guys rather than the comfort of the veteran guys who did win 10 postseason games in the Stanley Cup run, but this is a different team. And when it boils down to it, I feel comfortable about this Blues team facing the Wild in the first round, whether they have home ice or not. Yeah, the the way they're going, I I think we should all feel confident. And tonight at the ballpark, we didn't mention this, Adam Wainwright pitches against Madison Bumgarner, or Madison Bumgarner pitches against Adam Wainwright, one or the other. Waino said that uh, he gets told all the time that he looks like Madison Bumgarner. I could see it. Want want a fun fact for you? Love a fun fact. So Madison Bumgarner, a North Carolina guy, Mm -hmm. back in his ute uh, in North Carolina, Madison Bumgarner dated a young lady named Madison Bumgarner. I remember that, (laughs) which is nuts. It's a great fun fact. Oh, hold on. I'm searching. Um, I'm thinking, see, when you say Madison Bumgarner, I'm thinking Mason Saunders, which is his rodeo name. So, see, I was confused because I was thinking, oh, Mason Saunders is going tonight, but that's only his rodeo name. (laughs) By the way, he's won, I think, uh, several rodeo shows, but that's his secret alias. That's amazing. I know. Isn't that crazy? What an athlete. What an interesting guy. (laughs) We are off and running here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak or pit of the week on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Carriker and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. All right, peak and pit here on 101 ESPN. Randy, Michelle, Matthew with you. And your text 65780. That is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, my peak was uh, Tuesday. We had a chance to go over to the ballpark, and we had a chance to see 
our, all our friends from the Cardinals, which is great. We had, haven't had our radio luncheon in a couple of years. Right. And it's always great to see Joe Strom, the director of ticket sales, and Vicki Bryant from the front office. She's in charge of all of the concerts, and Matt Gifford, who essentially is in charge of the stadium, and Mo and Bill DeWitt third. So it was fun to see all of those people. So that was my peak of the week. And my pit of the week is that Blues, here we are on the last day of the season, and they still have work to do. I wish that uh, we could just cruise through tonight and it would be easy. Um, a couple things. First of all, I'm with you. That was such a highlight of the week, getting to see all of our media friends and all of our friends from the Cardinals. You forget how much you miss stuff like that until you're back in it because yeah. it's just been so long now that uh, we haven't had things like that, that when you actually get back into things like that and you see people, like seeing Ben Boyd, who's right. our friend that we've worked with for so long. I've seen him, I think, twice now since the pandemic started, but you're like, oh my gosh, hey, I remember <laughs> that we, I used to see you all the time. It's so great to see you. Um but I kind of like, Randy, that the Blues still have to play for something down to the very last minute. I want them sharp both physically and mentally as they head into the playoffs. I like that they don't have to take one shift off as they get into the postseason. I can I can take one game, and that's why. I, I would, I'd like to have things wrapped up. I agree that uh, it, it's great to be sharp, but my, my hope would be that if they played 81 games, they would be as sharp as they would with 82. I just don't want to get anybody hurt tonight. They'll be fine. Okay. Thank you. I don't even want to put that thought into the universe. Okay. They will be fine. Okay. They'll be healthy. Why would you even bring that up, Randy? Now you have me all worried. Isn't that what everybody says at the end of seasons? We just want to, spring training, we just want to come out healthy. The yeah. uh, If you have the great record at the end of an NFL season, yeah, we just want to come out of this game healthy. I I'm just saying, I just want to come out of this healthy. I swear, Randy, if one Blues player gets injured tonight, I'm going to be at the game with you, too. What if somebody catches COVID? Randy, what? What are you doing? It, it has happened. It happened last year. There you go. I don't want to think about it. Why are you blaming it? me? I didn't say it last year. <laughs> I don't know. Let's check the tapes. <laughs> you you very well could have. Um, all right, my peak in my pit. So my peak was the Cardinals, quote, brawl with the Mets. I love how everyone's calling it a brawl. And other than Stubby Clap taking down Pete Alonzo, I don't think one hair was harmed on anyone's head. Well, I guess Henesis Cabrera did kind of pull Pete Alonzo, but mm -hmm. no one was injured in this fight. No. There was no real punches thrown, but yet it's been dubbed as a brawl. We'll call it a scuffle, but I love the scuffle. I love that I turned on SportsCenter and I'm watching Giovanni Gallegos hop a fence and, <laughs> and rush out to defend his teammates, but that gave us a, a, lot, of, a lot of content this week. It was um, a very fun development, so that was my peak of the week, and my pit was that because of the scuffle, the thrill of the uh, the throw of the year and one of the best throws I have ever seen in my entire life from Dylan Carlson, 97.2 miles an hour from center field to third base. That is one of the great throws of all time. And it got completely brushed over be because of this scuffle. And I am that's my pit of the week that that throw did not get more shine. It was an awesome throw. It was Rick Ankiel-esque, right? Yes, it was incredible. Was fantastic. I am shocked, shocked, I tell you that your peak of the week isn't absolutely dominating me in the poll of the Cardinals that we would most like to have with us in a fight. Yeah, let's check the numbers here. Let's get the most updated and fresh numbers that we can. So Randy and I yesterday, we did a draft. It was NFL yeah. draft day. We don't have an NFL team, so we needed to do some sort of draft. So speaking of the fight or the brawl, Randy and I each draft, drafted five Cardinals on the current team, just happened to be in uniform, yeah. that we want on our side when things go down, if a fight goes down. Mm -hmm. Randy drafted Nolan Arenado, Brendan Donovan, Giovanni Gallegos, Jack Flaherty, Albert Pujols, and a sixth man in was Jordan Hicks. 
Yeah, I like your squad. Mine's better. Yadier Molina, Tyler O'Neill, Goldie, Wayno, Stubby Clap, who I can't believe I was able to snag with the fifth pick. Mm-hmm. Little fella. And my but effective. And my sixth man in, Miles Michaelis, who's 6'5", 210 with a mustache and ate a lizard for sport, a live lizard. So I feel great about my squad, and so do our listeners, Randy. There's two hours left. You could still make your voice heard on 101 ESPN on Twitter, but right now I'm absolutely crushing you with 74.9% of people polling choosing my team. I'm really shocked that so many people like the idea of getting beat up. I, I think they don't, which is why they picked my team. We're beating yeah. everybody down. Yeah, just wait till we get in that fight and my guys are, I, I've got a UFC fighter in there. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. got a guy that will run, a, what, 400 feet to get to the scrum and then get in there and start mixing it up. I got a guy who had blackout rage and got suspended for it. Right, but I have a guy who actually did take some action and throw someone to the ground, which was Stubby Clab. I've got neck tats and maybe the angriest guy in Cardinals history and Yachty or Molina. Yachty's not going to let anybody step to him. And I've got the toughest and strongest guy on the team in Tyler O'Neill. Can we put an arguably in there? For because what? Because in Cardinal history, I think I'd take Bob Gibson or Chris Carpenter. Yeah, that's true. But y- Yachty's tied for <laughs> Yachty. first. Oh, Yachty's, he's in the yeah, combo. He's a, he's a tough, hey, if you got neck tats, you're tough. You're tough. Well, but, and I've I've seen Brandon Phillips tap his shin guards and we saw <laughs> what happened. Yeah, he... he he has a short fuse, which is why we love him. He's intense, Randy. <laughs> All right. Peaks or pits, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And Matthew, what do we got? 314 says, Peak watching a 5'8 stubby clap manhandle a 6'3 Pete <laughs> Alonzo. Pit projected rain for the entire boys' golf trip next weekend at Innsbruck. Oh, oh. no. Well, you can golf in the rain. Uh, by the way, Pete Alonzo is a big, strong guy, if you didn't know. Did you know, Randy, he could put somebody in the hospital if he wanted to? Yeah. So we, I, I wasn't aware of that until he told me. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Holiday. We got to get the Matt Holiday cut from yesterday. He was hilarious. We'll find a spot so that you can hear Matt Holiday yesterday in the fast. Was it about Pete Alonzo? It was about Pete Alonzo. Oh. Yeah, he got, he got can gr- we do that? Oh, we got, got Jay coming up next segment. Uh, we need to do that. We need to do. Okay, it we'll th- do it at eight. We'll do it at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Tune yep. in because I have not yet heard oh, this, and I am dying to. Hilarious. Okay. Three and four. Peak made it to the ballpark for the first time since 2019. Pitt, no beer man. Oh, but you're at the ballpark. There's beer available. You are, and that's why the Cardinals continually have these job fairs so that people can sell beer at the ballpark and make a lot of money. You can take advantage of this. We'll tell you about it whenever they pop up. But boy, the Cardinals have those uh, job interview openings opening open interviews on a regular basis i would love to be a beer person but i don't think i could carry it it's very heavy yeah it is i don't think i'm strong enough but you, i think you I are would, you're strong i think I would, no i'm actually not but i think i would have the right energy you know i think i would yeah. i would come down the stairs and you know whatever section you're in i would be mm-hmm. like you you look like you need a nice cold bud light to enjoy the second inning here there's a gr- guy in arizona who does like every spring training venue he does the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks, he does the Arizona Coyotes, and he yells, Lemonade, lemonade, tastes just like your grandma made. <laughs> and he's the best. And so every time I buy from him. That's elite. That is an elite. It, it is. Yeah. And then there's another guy with a really deep voice that says, Lemonade, lemonade, lemonado. And I, when we're in spring training, I say, if you can give me a lemonado, I'll buy two. And I he, Double fisted? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's great. You're really going for it there. Yeah, it's great.
Uh, Big time. Two lemonade. Yeah, don't get crazy, Randy. 314 Peak. My buddy and I had great seats for Tuesday's Cars game. Pitt, we missed a brawl by one game. Oh, Oh, man. man. I was there on Tuesday, too. And by the way, I happen to know some people who work for this very station Mm -hmm. that were at the game on Mm -hmm. Wednesday and left Mm -hmm. early. Really? Mm -hmm. And they missed the brawl. Who, just, who would do that? I'm just, I don't want to name names, Mike Ryder. Um, um, but yeah, missed wow, the brawl. He wow. didn't want to leave. He didn't Did want to leave. Did you guys hear that leave. bus go by? But I'm just telling it's, you. It's he, disappointing. I was like, oh, I can't believe you're at the day game yesterday. It was a beautiful day and there was a brawl. And he's like, the squad, he was there with our boss, Tommy Mattern, and a bunch of a bunch of other people from the station. Keith Krause, yeah, I'm calling them all out. They, they were like, wow. oh, you know, it's a great day. Let's go bop around downtown, continue to hang out, and they miss the brawl. This is like those Geico commercials, becoming their parents, right? Oh, yeah, let's leave after the sixth inning. You know, you don't want to become your parents. I think they were thinking it's a beautiful day. Let's beat the traffic. We'll go sit somewhere, hang out. I I don't really know the thought process. Don't leave to the end. Didn't David Freeze teach us that lesson? He should have, yeah. If we didn't learn it then, when are we going to learn it, right? Pat Maroon, too. Is there anyone in St. Louis that would leave a playoff game before the final horn or the final the final? Well, I mean a playoff game. Yeah, game. Oh, there's game a lot of people of left game six. No, I mean after that, after David oh, after Freeze, that. yeah, you don't, and then after Pat Maroon again, right. yeah, and and St. Louis, you better not leave until it is really, really over. That's exactly right. Better for the doubt is game 18 of 162. Uh, Peak, my vacation is just two days away. Pitt, Colorado still looks like the worst possible matchup for the Blues in the playoffs. Yeah, they did look like they were dominating the Blues the other night, but the Blues were nervous. Yeah, they were. And David Perron was a scratch. Yeah, so we'll be all right. Yeah. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And coming up, we're going to talk to Jay Delsing. If you have a question about your golf game, you can text us right now, 65780, or you can just send an email to askuncleRandy at 101ESPN.com. Either one of those, if you have a question about your swing, about your equipment, about a golf trip, like the Innsbruck trip those guys are going to take, uh, feel free to send us some communication so that you can ask Jay about golf. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's always good to talk to Jay Delsing. We do so every Friday, and you can hear him 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings with Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing great, guys. How about you? Everything's fantastic, and the weather is here, and we, we've got this text already, but I had to deal with it earlier in the week. Is there a formula to deal with wind when you're playing golf? Definitely. Definitely. There's, there was a saying when I got on tour, uh, when it's breezy, swing it easy. And it's what you're trying to do is trying to hit lower shots, you know, so that they don't get blown up into the and 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 just blown all over from the wind, and so you got to kind of put the ball back in your stance with your irons, and try to um, take a little extra club and just abbreviate your finish on the follow through, Randy, and try to keep the ball a little lower. Jay, this one from the six one eight. You just gave great tips about wind, but what about tips for playing when the ground is wet? Josh and Troy says that he has trouble chipping and pitching in that scenario, and he seems to chunk it a lot. <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Yeah, it's, this is the toughest. I tell everybody, this is the toughest time of year, guys, to, to try to play golf. First of all, we've been on the couch for four or five months. And despite the fact that we try to encourage as many people as we can to you know get some exercise, do some stretching, get to the gym, 
a lot of our friends aren't doing that, and then they get out, and there's wind, and the golf course, you're not getting one inch of roll, and then any time you get around the greens, the soft turf is really hard to chip and pitch off of, and most people try to get a little steeper on their backswing, meaning they actually pick the club up a little bit, guys, and it's what you actually want to do is try and go the opposite way and get a little shallower and go around your body a little bit, maybe a little more in on your backswing, and try to use the bottom or the bounce of the club instead of that leading edge because, man, I've had a fight with that leading edge for a long time. As soon as you get the leading edge in there, you can chunk it or skull it. uh, None none of those options are that good. Have you ever splattered yourself with mud like I have? Okay, i got to tell you. So (laughs) my first tournament ever on the PGA Tour, we're playing at Pebble Beach, and at the time it's called the Bing Crosby Clambake. And you guys, the celebrities are walking around just like you and I. It is so cool. This is 1984. I know it's 100 years ago. But if you've ever gone to Pebble Beach, there's no designated driving range. So there's a kind of a polo field or a, I don't know, it looks like a polo field to me, where they cut the grass down and you just hit balls. And it is rainy and about 45 degrees out. And you guys, I am so excited. I just can't wait. To, to get started on the PGA Tour. And there's a, it's a huge field because there's three golf courses and there's amateurs playing and everything, so you kind of have to wait your, your turn. So I'm sitting there with my caddy holding my umbrella, and it's raining, and a spot opens up right next to Curtis Strange, who is the uh, last year's leading money winner on the PGA Tour, and he's got this beautiful, brand-new white Nike sweater on. And I am so excited to hit balls. It's raining. I got all this gear on and everything and my first swing I hit like six inches behind my sand wedge and I Picasso the back of Curtis Strange's white (laughs) and now Curtis is not the nicest guy in the world let's just be honest he is not and he looks at me and I'm like oh man I'm really sorry this is my first event you know I start talking really fast like I'm really nervous and he's like Oh God! Just leave me alone, you know. And then, but then every third swing, he would turn around and look at me again. And finally, I said, "I'm like, look, I'll buy you a new sweater." <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't do it on purpose. Plus, he, I know he's got a closet full of them. He's not even paying for it. So that was my that was my most famous, and it's kind of splattered up in my face too, Randy. And mm-hmm. so I didn't I didn't actually notice the Curtis thing until my caddy kind of. <laughs> Give me the look, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good way to start. No, Jay, that's not. <laughs> who Who is the nicest guy on tour, though? You said that uh, you mentioned Curtis Strange, not super friendly, but who was the nicest guy on tour? Somebody you were always looking forward to seeing? Probably Fuzzy Zeller. Mm-hmm. When I played with Fuzzy, he was always whistling, telling jokes, and and we were playing at the Canadian Open one year, and he got to the tee, the first tee. There was probably a hundred people, two hundred people standing around the first tee, and. Um, this gentleman that got to do the announcing was really excited, let's say, about being the starter on the first tee of a PGA Tour event. And, and um, he, we walk up there, and he says to uh, Fuzzy Zeller, he says, Mr. Zeller, I'm so-and-so, and I'm going to be announcing you, and I want to know where you're from. And he said, Fuzzy looked at him and said, I don't want to be announced today. <laughs> and I, and he's just messing with the guy, right? And he goes, sir, I've been waiting for a year to have this job, and I'm going to announce you. And Fuzzy <laughs> says, if you announce me, I am going to hit while you're announcing me. <laughs> and he says, I don't care what happens. So I'm sitting there thinking, please, God, I look on the T-sheet. I want to hit first. 
I don't want to have to watch all this and then hit after fuzzy, but fuzzy's on first. And the guy, I, I, he, I guess he didn't know the abbreviation since IN is from Indiana. And um, he said from Frankfurt, you know, and he got Indiana right. He said, and then you hear this whack, and everybody starts <laughs> laughing. And, and, and uh, Fuzzy was just working the crowd. And so then when I got up to hit, all I could think of was just hit this thing forward somewhere. You know, just don't screw this up too much. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's great. Hey, Jay, a couple more from the text line, and people really appreciate your input and your your tips. Hey, Jay, any tips for playing? uh, He's constantly pulling his irons offline left. Is there a drill that could help him dial that in a little bit better so that he's not pulling everything left? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things, and this is, he's going to think I'm crazy, but one of the things that when you are consistently missing one direction – I'd say 95% of the time you are aiming too far the other way. So the first thing to do is get on the driving range and get put an umbrella, put an, a club down, and get a line down that goes parallel to your target. So if you want to hit a shot at the flag, get something that's going parallel left to your target, then get your feet lined up with that, and then stack your knees, your hips, and your shoulders right on top of each other. And oftentimes, gosh, I see this, you guys probably – Oh, my gosh, seven, eight times out of ten. Most amateur golfers have their shoulders just wide open at a dress. And so what I'm thinking this guy is doing is you're aiming too – I'm assuming you're right-handed. Mm-hmm. You're aiming too far to the right, and subconsciously you know you've got to pull this club over, and so you're going to smother hook this thing or, or shut the face and swing quite a ways to the left. And he's going to say, Delsing, I'm hitting the ball too far left. You're telling me to aim farther left, and I'm going to tell him, Yes, it will be awkward at first, but he will get the feeling of not having to, to bring the club around so much and get it to swing more down his intended line. And he'll, oh my gosh, he'll, he'll find, it'll probably take five or six swings, but it'll, it'll work right away. Really good tip, Jay. The 636 says that they put a, a dent in their driver. The question for you, Jay, do they get it repaired <laughs> or just buy a new one? Is it in the face? If it's in the face, you definitely got to get, it, get a new one. I don't think they can fix those. Um, I was playing at the Ascension Classic last year, the inaugural event, and then the second Pro-Am on, on Thursday. I hit a lousy drive, and I figured it was just me. My caddy looked me, so that ball didn't sound right. And when we got to the next par four, I had made a better swing, and the ball just kind of squirreled off to the side. And I looked down, and the face of my, my driver, my tailor-made driver, had cracked. So um, it does happen, guys, especially if you, if you go to the range often. And, Randy, I know you're, you're a range rat. You love to hit balls. Mm-hmm. you gotta watch. You got to watch the face of those drivers because they can definitely cave in and, and crack. And one other question, Jay, before we ask you about the show this weekend. What's the best way to improve my inside of 100-yard approach shots? Oh, my gosh, that's where it's at. If you guys want to get better at your game, you've got to start from the green and work out. So, first of all, work on your putting. Do your putting clock drills that we talked about a couple weeks ago where you put balls around the hole and you have to hole, put, them, put three balls two feet around the hole and, and hole all three of them, then go to three feet and hole all three of those and then go to four feet. And if you miss any one of those drills, you've got to start over, which is – which puts a lot of pressure on you, and it'll 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 help you with your concentration. But but start. I would start um, from the fairway, and I would start at about twenty yards off the off the green, and work on a much smaller, much shorter golf swing that doesn't have any power in it. You're going to get want to have the club move 
through the hitting area together with your hips instead of having your hips kind of turn as quickly as you can and slow the, the core part of your body down and feel like you're just pitching um, the ball kind of with the center part of your body and then work uh, uh, gradually further away from the green because you're, you're going to need to start adding some power as you get further away. But it's a different golf swing. Um, and, Randy, I can't wait till we get to, to, to play. we got to get some good weather so we can go out to play because the short game – is my specialty, and it's a it's a different motion. If you if you load the shaft like you do with your five iron and your driver and try to hit short shots that way, it's a disaster. No one really talks too much about that. I, I know the disaster thing well, though. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> so hold on, let me see. I, I believe we're going to have nice days next week. So uh, okay, yeah, we're we're playing next. Well, there's some rain. Well, we're, okay, we'll play next Thursday. Next Thursday, 25 percent chance of rain. Sunny. We're playing next Thursday. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. That'll okay. be great. I'll, I'll show you a text. Great. What do you have coming up with Pearly on Sunday? We've got Ted Scott, who is now a three-time Masters champion as a caddy. He worked for, oh, about 15 years for Bubba Watson, and they split up. Um, and, and the way they split up is actually pretty cool. And now he's working for Scotty Scheffler. And, man, uh, have they, those guys just taken the golf world by storm. And, guys, I don't know if you heard, but Tiger made a, a stop at Tulsa, where the mm-hmm. U.S. Open uh, mm-hmm. uh, is going, going to be competed on so Oh, no, is that the PGA? PGA, yeah. It's the PGA. What am I talking yeah, about? May. Anyway, somebody ought to know something about golf, Vinny. <laughs> help, me out, help me out. You're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in on Sunday morning, and uh, we'll uh, we'll arrange things for next Thursday. Yeah, look forward to it. Let's All right, thanks, Jay. Let's go Blues. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got to Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman and Matthew on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy, great to have you with us here on one hundred and one ESPN. Michelle, of course, the NFL draft was held last night, and Mel Kiper said his biggest winner was the New York Jets. The mm. previously, well, the the recently hapless New York Jets. Take it or leave it. The Jets will continue to be hapless even with their new leadership. I'll take it. It seems like they can draft the right talent, but they're going to mess it up somehow. They are. It's, I'm with you. It's just in their DNA. Yep. must be something in the water in New York slash New Jersey. You know, the water gets good bagels, but clearly it's been messing up some football teams up there, too. St. Louis has had two more Super Bowls in the last 50 years than the Jets have. Yikes. Yeah, we've been to two more Super Bowls than the Jets have since 1970. And the Rams went through 15 and 65. Yeah, that's and st- right. And still went to well, two more Super Bowls. So here's the thing. In the last 50 years, we had a team, lost a team, got a team, lost a team, and went to a couple of Super Bowls in the process. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Congratulations, Jets fans. 
Um, Randy, let's talk about another franchise that's just a disaster. What did I say last week? You can't spell disaster without Reds because mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Reds are an absolute mess, okay? And Joey Votto was talking to C. Trent Rosecrans from The Athletic, and he was asked about the Reds' 3-16 and 16 start. And here's the quote. This is awful to experience each and every day. We're competitors professionally. We're competitors. Our job is to win. To go out and get smacked around every day is anti-everything that we're about. For me, it's an awful and embarrassing experience. You have to keep going, but when you're in the middle of it, it's definitely embarrassing. Take it or leave it. Free Joey Votto. I will absolutely take that. Free this man. But... I know that he has been a good soldier and that he is dedicated mm-hmm. to this franchise in that city. But this is a really good player that does not deserve to be put in this situation at this point in his career. Free Joey Votto. Where else is he going to go? Get him anywhere else. I don't care. I don't want to see Joey Votto be stuck in an embarrassing and losing situation. Good. And we're only at the end of April. I know. He's got such a long time to deal with this left. Terrible. It's like a prison sentence. We it, need to Shawshank him out of there. Yeah. I wonder if he would swim through a couple hundred yards of sewage to get out of there. I bet he would. Absolutely. Not swim, Have but crawl. Have you seen this guy on social media? Yeah. I mean, he's he's doing viral challenges, all right. He's True. he's swimming through the the social media waters. He'll definitely do it in real yeah. life. If you meant if it meant getting to a, a situation where he could win, at the end of that, he would do it. Yeah. By the way, Phil Castellini. We never talked about this, but he did send a letter of apology to the entire Reds organization for them having to take the heat for his comments about where else you're going to go. All right, Matthew, what do you got for us? That's what the apology was for? Yep. Okay. 314. The Cardinals are, sl- take it or leave, the Cardinals are slowly adding yellow into their uniforms, shoelaces, and batting gloves in, atten- in an attempt to eventually change their color scheme. <laughs> I'm going to take it. What the heck? The Cardinals? It's players. It's not. It's to like a, when. To uh, eventually change the color scheme. Yeah. yeah. The, bir- the bird is red. With a yellow beak. Sure, but I think, I think the prevailing is, color will always on, be red. Hold on, I think there is, Michelle. Let is there me something Google I'm this. missing here? I believe, let me find this, because I think that... It's called accessorizing? Get on it? Okay. A tale as old as time? Uh, okay. Take one thing off. There is such thing. This is a family show. It's, a, it's only a one in a million, Michelle. But there Just is, if you Google y'all. this, there is a yellow cardinal. No. Take a look on the Google machine. You've got photos. No. Randy, what are you doing to my head? Are don't, you, don't do this right now. Is, is this I'm, a canary? No, this is a yellow cardinal. Are you I'm saying I'm, you, this I'm is, seeing a yellow cardinal and it's in reality a canary? No, the, uh, do the Google. It's it, And it's <laughs> gorgeous. So I'm going to take this 100%. That, the yellow cardinal. Yeah, the cardinals are going all in on the yellow cardinal. Uh, I will say that is a handsome bird. Is it not? That is one handsome bird. But it's one in a million. Yeah, that's okay. The Cardinals are one in a million. One in a million. This is from USA Today. Quite literally. In 2022. A one in a million picturesque yellow cardinal spotted in Florida. It was on the University of Florida campus. There you go. And let me tell you, this yellow cardinal, not missing any meals, so, feasting on no. worms. So Thick. we're taking this, right? This yellow cardinal has got the build of Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> it does. I am impressed. It could win competitions. That's right. Can um, we get that on my uh, cardinals we want on our side when we fight? <laughs> I'm going right. to slightly change this one we just got. It's 636. It's International Dance Day. Take it or leave it. Randy needs to start doing TikTok dances. I'm going to take it 100%. They want me to start doing TikTok, and I've been very averse. And I said... 
we need Randy to do the dance of the day or the TikTok mm. trend of no. the day. No, sorry. I'm taking it. Absolutely. Randy, take it. it. So I'm kind of like the anti-TikTok guy. No, you're not. I'm too old. I have no rhythm. No, but that's you're so fun, Randy, and you're so jovial. You would bring Randy, such have, joy have, to people's lives. You have performed lives. with professional rappers. Of course you have rhythm. Come that's on now. different. It's not. It's literally based off rhythm and blues. Randy, it's all about swag, and you have it. Your rap name is Ran DMC. Yes, it is. This is true. So don't tell me that you can't bust a move. Is Nelly on the TikTok? I bet he is. Is my buddy? Pretty sure if Randy Cripp walked, I'd pass out. Yeah. Is my If my buddy Murphy Lee, Lee is on the TikTok, I'll do a TikTok. Okay, hang on. Oh, God, please. I hope Murphy Lee Wait, is on TikTok. Let me tell you right now, is Nelly on TikTok? Research is on it. Nelly Furtado is? Or any Nelly lunatics. from St. Louis has 140,000 followers and is verified on TikTok. But what about Murphy? Stand by. <laughs> by the way, uh, Yellow Cardinal, I hear there are black squirrels in Central Park. Is that true? There's white squirrels in Central Park. There's a white squirrel that lives at my house. Really? Yes. What? Yes. There's Fully also one, albino. Yeah, yeah there's, there's also one, um, or was at least one, right near, ironically, the White House in Washington, D.C. Maybe more. You guys know weird things about... Like rare animals Been around, you know. Capital. That's 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 odd. Uh, Randy, you had a stat earlier for this, so I wanted to throw this out. Six one eight. Take it or leave it. Is it time to DFA or trade Paul DeYoung? <laughs> well, he's batting he's batting three thirty three. He is. His recent performance is stellar. So no, I would say absolutely not. It's uh, last it's three at bats, right? The, you're gonna have the guy. So are, would the Cardinals be better off with Sosa at shortstop and give him some run? Yes. He showed in the second half last season that he can play, and. DeYoung, obviously, this is not just a, a, an event over the course of April. This is an event in 2019, 2020, 21, and 22. So this is a long-standing slump for Pauly D, and we all want him to do better. I mean, we want the team do, to do better. But I still think, Michelle, that it, even if Sosa winds up as the starting shortstop, they brought up DeYoung as a utility guy, and I do think he winds up being the right-handed Matt Carpenter. But why? Because they don't want to swallow 15 million bucks. But you also want to win. Well, that's why you put him on the bench. And you have him as your 26th player. Mm. By the way, a lot of people texting in that only Illinois is the home for white squirrels. Oh, congratulations so I guess, only. I guess uh, my squirrel migrated. Probably. Yeah, yeah. made the trek. Yeah, he's in came the, 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 the backyard all the time. We see him all the time. Good. Um, and by the way, Randy, we have other people very much interested in you getting on TikTok yes. from the 314. I would absolutely down TikTok, download TikTok if Randy was on it. We have people that will download the app, Randy, to check out your content. Interesting. Consider it. That's all I'm saying. Should we put on the wheel? <laughs> it can be one of the items on the wheel next time the wheel comes up. Yeah. Okay. Both okay. of us. For both Ooh. of us. Yeah. We need to have get to, the wheel going join again. The TikTok. I've got the wheel at home. I need a new cubicle to put the wheel at. Yeah, bring the wheel in. I'll 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 move it around the station. I don't care. That that sounds like fun. Yeah, we need the construction the to be done so that we have a, a home where we can store the wheel. I actually tried to abscond a cubicle abscond. because some of them are done. And then I was told, no, somebody else is going to choose where you sit. Oh, no. This isn't a Real Housewives vacation what? situation where we can no. just bully our way into the master suite? Can't do it. There's, what? Uh, so I was here. I called dibs. I was here before the station started. I was here in October of 08. The station started in January of 09. That's right, dibs. I'm, I'm the person who's been here since day one. 
right? I've been in the building longer than anybody. Have you been here longer than Mike Ryder? No, but Ryder's not going to be in our office. I mean, among people that are going to be in our office. Okay. Uh, And actually, Mike was actually working for uh, music, uh, an online music thing. So you mean from 101 ESPN. Right. So So, yeah, you should get first dibs here. That's what I'm thinking. And you are the first one here in the morning. Yeah, right. So if you're first through the doors, you could just move everyone's stuff over every day. But that being said... I really don't care. I just need a cubicle. That's all. So they, so that we have a place to keep the wheel. It's not like I'm going to sit there. No, we don't sit there. No. We need to store the wheel somewhere, though. But, you know, I'm always the same person. I don't like to bring a bunch of tchotchkes and stuff to, to my cube at work. At ESPN, everyone's desks and their cubes were filled with sports memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you went to North Carolina, you had... North Carolina blue everywhere, helmets and scarves and, you know, the schools would send things. My cube was the saddest thing you've ever seen. All that I had there was a a photo that UBT and DFAR gave me of the the fast lane. You wrote me sweet notes before I left. I had the Illini ghost gray helmet and I didn't Mm -hmm. even put it there. Somebody put it there for me. And I believe I had a baseball Jesus Chris Carpenter bobblehead that I brought with me. And that was it, huh? And some highlighters and my work computer. That's it. I'm there so, to work, man. I'm not there to decorate. I have some. Uh, I like that attitude, by the way. I, I'm just. I don't. I don't need to be so comfortable and make it feel like home. I'm there to get my job done. I'm. I'm Belichickian. Do your job. I only have one must-have, and I, I do have various things, various and sundry things that sit around my computer. But the one must-have is a Michelle Smallman Christmas present, which was a 19-0 2007 New England Patriots patch. That's right. That's a rarity. Yeah. That is a collector's item. Yeah, you would think that the, that team that went 19-0, you'd think that those would be all over the place. Oh, but Randy, they didn't, remember? Oh, darn it. They didn't go 19-0. <laughs> yeah, that was, I remember being so pumped that I was mm. able to find that online. That's Michelle. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, you have to hear what Matt Holliday said about Pete Alonso yesterday in the Fast Lane. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I was just telling Michelle and Matthew that I was driving home yesterday during the fast lane when they had Matt Holiday on. I was driving home. It was actually, there, there was an accident. So we did have traffic in St. Louis, as a matter of fact. Oh, man. Yeah, but... I was so entertained by this interview <laughs> with the Fast Lane and Matt Holiday. And if you get a chance to listen to it on 101ESPN.com or on the app, it'll make your weekend. But he reacted to Pete Alonzo's interview in which Pete Alonzo claimed that, hey, I'm a big, strong guy. And so, he could put somebody in the hospital if he wants some, to. Yeah, he, yeah if he wanted to. That's what he claims. And so the Fast Lane guys asked Matt Holiday about those comments. Yeah, to me, like, you don't have to, I mean, if you're big and strong, you don't tell anybody. Like, everybody should already know everybody that. Like, yeah, you, you don't have to bring it up twice with your sweet haircut. You know, he's got excellent leverage. You know, I think you can't get underneath the guy. Um, so he fit. Yeah, he fit right underneath. Uh, it sort of had uh, the polar bear by the uh, by the waist. Uh, so he, he had nice leverage. I, I thought he did a, an excellent job of of taking out the first baseman. So I thought that was good. You know, I, I, nice, low, 
kind of tackle and and uh, and they were able to keep that. I don't know if he'd have done anything anyways, but he kept him out of the scrum and kept people out of the hospital. Apparently, if he wanted to, if he wanted to. <laughs> That was gold. To. I don't know if he would have done anything anyway, but he kept him out of the scrum. Yeah. Sweet haircut. That is so true, though. If I always say in every aspect of life, Randy, money talks, wealth whispers. Mm-hmm. If you're big and strong, you don't need to brag about it all the time. If you're actually a tough guy, you don't walk around telling people, I could put somebody in the hospital. I'm super tough. Really? Because I think a 49-year-old bench coach just took you out of the fight. Yeah, right. If you were that <laughs> tough, you would not have allowed that to happen. And that's no disrespect to Stubby Clapp, who clearly... When it when the situation arrives, he's there. Hey. He's ready to go. I learned a lot about Stubby. I learned more about Stubby Clap than I did about Pete Alonzo in that interaction. Is all I'll say. As we mentioned, and this is the perfect illustration. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's mm-hmm. the size of the fight in the dog, right? And clearly, Pete Alonzo, um, he's a lot of talk because when it all mm. went down, I didn't see much from him. It's yeah. easy in, in retrospect to say, I'm super tough. I could try me again. Well, where were you the first time? I think you were on the ground underneath Stubby Clap. <laughs> right, exactly. Just saying. So just go to the podcast and, or just go to the, the app, go to the website. All of our podcasts brought to you by Dobbs Saron Auto Center. And by the way, if Matt Holiday was still on the team, He'd be probably a number one choice. Well, I was going to say, would you take fella. him over? No, I think I would still take Yachty number one on my squad, but not taking, like, Tyler O'Neill versus Matt Holiday, oh. that'd be a tough decision Michelle. for me. He is a big, tough guy. Matt Holiday could actually hurt someone. Go back to 2011 when you had Holiday, you had Carpenter, you had the uh, Matt, Albert Pujols in his prime. Uh, you, you had just a, a monstrous team. I mean, that yeah. uh, team's... The, you, you don't want to get into it. Carlos Beltran was a tough guy. Albert I mean, in his prime, Burton. though, as you mentioned, that guy was so focused, and he yep. had that ain't that competitive anger, too, that was yep. just roiling underneath the surface. Yikes. And I'll tell you one, and BT has talked about it. We've never really seen it, but uh, evidently, you don't want to get uh, Skip Schumacher ticked off. Really? Yeah. Nicest guy ever. Yeah. Yikes. But that's what it is, Randy. You have blackout rage. You're the nicest rage, guy yeah. ever. That's yeah. that's the thing is, Pete Alonzo is such a, a chill dude. I just mm-hmm. don't know if he has that compartment. I don't think I'm so not either. questioning that he's not tough and strong. I mean, you, you are a professional athlete. You work out for a living. You are a strong guy. But I learned when I did my research before our draft that you need that special compartment inside of you, that crazy compartment to get unlocked in order to really be somebody <laughs> to be afraid of in a fight. And I don't know if Pete Alonso has it. It doesn't seem like that. He's just like a funny, <laughs> chill, nice guy. Right, if you have to tell people twice you're big and strong, it's probably not you that is going to be leading the charge. Meanwhile, we had Jason Stark on the show the other day, Michelle, and we asked him what his impressions were of the Cardinals. And we, we, like I said, when I asked the question, I said, we're laser focused on the team every single day. You have more of a macro view. So what what are your impressions of the Cardinals, Jason Stark? They're not a great offensive team. They're not built to be. I think they're built around run prevention, and I think they will do that. Trying to evaluate what they are offensively, it's hard. This has been a really strange month after a really different spring. Uh, it's hard to know what to think about all kinds of stuff, given the offensive climate that we were talking about. But I guess I would take a step back and, and say, I'm going to guess if I told you we'd be in the last week of April, uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Tyler O'Neill would have one home run combined. Uh, Jack Flaherty wouldn't have thrown one pitch. And the offense was 13th in the league and run scored. You wouldn't have guessed the Cardinals would have just lost their first series of the season. 
And I, I, I guess track records are supposed to mean something. So I'm pretty sure Goldsmith's going to hit. I'm pretty sure O'Neill's going to hit. Um, I, I would expect Dylan Carlson to hit. Yachty's not going to hit 150. And the Cardinals are a playoff team. Uh, unless something goes wrong. I mean, rotation depth is a big worry, uh, especially given the the age of Adam Wainwright and the health history of guys like Michaelis, Hudson, Hicks, obviously. I mean, if, if, if they start having injuries to that group, it could turn into a really big worry. But I look at the Cardinals. I don't know if they're better than the Brewers, but I do see a playoff team. And to me, the most notable thing that I took out, and I know that you can take, that was a long answer. There was yeah, a lot yeah. of good stuff there. The most notable thing that I took out, and I think we do have to kind of appreciate what we're dealing with here. It is a team that is built on run prevention. What did Mo tell us when we asked about how he built the bullpen? Yeah. Well, you want to get guys that throw strikes that hit the ball because they want to take advantage of their defense. And as Jason mentioned, it's not a great offensive team yet. But as I've said for years, and I think Whitey Ball bore this out and we were able to go to three World Series in St. Louis, if you have great defense, you can find a way to score runs. If you have great offense, you can't just manufacture good defense. And I don't want to be giving away outs. We, we saw what happened on, in the ninth inning on Monday night, what happens when you give away outs. If you play bad defense, you're not going to the playoffs. Absolutely. And I know that why wouldn't you rely on this defense? It's a historically great defense. Look at all the gold mm-hmm. gloves that are are decorating your team. However, Randy, when I look at the offense, and the team really talked a lot about this heading into this year, about how this is a good offense, and people are going to be surprised by how good this offense could be. When I look at the names on the on the lineup card, this should be a good offense. You've got a lot of really talented guys, so maybe the team wasn't constructed that way, but... When I when I look at some of the names on the sheet, I don't expect them to be performing at a low offensive level. No, and I I'm with Jason Stark. I believe that O'Neill and Goldschmidt and Harrison Bader and Carlson. I think those guys will hit. I I'm not sure if Sosa or DeYoung are going to hit, but if those guys do, if Goldie's hitting. And by the way, he's hitting 500 over the last week, just not for a lot of power. But if Goldie and O'Neill and Carlson are delivering what we expect them to deliver, that's a deodorant for what you're not getting out of the shortstop position. Yeah, it should be, why not both, right? Why can't the Cardinals excel in in both aspects? And the shortstop position, I think, oh, did your mic just fall down? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh, wow. I think they have commercials for... uh, I just heard that, that creaking sound. That's interesting. Um, well, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was going to say, and isn't that what we discussed earlier? Is that if what if there is one person on the team that isn't necessarily performing offensively, what you expect? If every if if it's a all or a high tide lifts all boats type situation, mm-hmm. that's something that you can deal with in return for a stronger defensive performance. Yeah, right. I just because of the prevailing thought now. And it's not a stupid thought by any stretch of the imagination. Bring up Gorman, play him at second, and move Tommy Edmond to short. Tommy Edmond's played 16 games at short since 2019. Didn't work out at all at shortstop in spring training. Not one inning, not one play at shortstop. So do I want to give up a gold glove second baseman and a gold glove finalist shortstop so that I can put in two guys where I don't, in the middle of the infield, the most important spots on the, on the diamond, 
so that I can put those guys in there because I think I'm going to get better offense. I don't want to do that. I want to have at least knowledge. I've got a shortstop position right now where I'm top three in the National League in defensive run saved. I've got a gold glove second baseman. I'm going, and by the way, the gold glove second baseman is hitting. Yes, he is. So I, I, I'm not going to give up that defense so that I, I can take a, I'm not going to take a chance on my defense so that I can take a chance on better offense. But also with Nolan Gorman, it, what else does he have left to prove? And if he's right. someone that can help your ball club win, you got to find a spot for him. But we also thought that Dylan Carlson would hit at the major league level in it. There are no guarantees of my point about minor leaguers, right? You bring them up and you hope. But like Oliver Marmol said yesterday, we'll bring him up. But when he does, he's got to play every day. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. I want to see them in a position where they can play him every day. Do they need a, a more effective left-handed bat? Yes. Do I want him to play every day? Yes. But you know what? The best thing right now would be if, if he could play right field. By the way, that Dylan Carlson 97.2 mile an hour, an hour throw, that was a little peek into why I think Mo said he was a prime out of my cold dead mm-hmm. hands guy. Yeah, you can do it all. You, you've got skill, yeah. skills like that. That yeah. that was awesome. And the Cardinal, last thing here. One thing that we still all recognize over the course of John Mozeliak's tenure here, right, since 2008, he's very, very patient. He is not going to allow an April after a shortened spring training to determine the fate of a veteran player. And that's why he has that job and not me. Because we would be more impatient, right? Because every day I'm like, what did Nolan Gorman do today? Mm-hmm. When is he coming up? I want to see him. Yeah. And they probably have a better idea because they are watching him every day and every inning. Probably have a better idea of when he's going to be ready than we do. Mm-hmm. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take. Joe Vitale next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Vitale is getting ready. He's up preparing early for tonight's 7 o'clock Blues finale against the Vegas Golden Knights. Joey V, we always love having you on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Randy, do, doing great. Like you said, been up been up for a long time. I actually go on a run every Friday morning. I'm a good group here in Kirkwood. Guys have been running for about four or five years together, so it's been a, it's been a great morning, an early morning. Uh, we, we beat the rain a little bit, got my coffee, got the kids dropped off to school. I've already lived. Uh, I've already lived about three hours of my day, and it's not even eight o'clock yet. So that's kind of like Forrest Gump running for four or five years. Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, it, it, it is kind of like Forrest, just kind of flying through. Uh, was it Alabama? Was he born in yeah. Alabama? Right. Yeah. yeah he was very, born good, in very good, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it was the Alabama guy. That that is. Listen, I, I've, I've I've said a lot of things. I have one theory. If Forrest Gump is not in your top three movies of all time, I don't think we could ever be friends. I, I just I just don't. I, I think it is the truest movie. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry. Uh, there's battle scenes. There's love scenes. Uh, there's torture. Uh, it's happy ending. And again, it, that movie has it all. If it's not your top three, no offense, guys, I don't think we could do these anymore. Is life indeed <laughs> likes, like a box of chocolates, though? Oh, I mean, yeah. You never know what you're going to get, right? I mean, I mean, ever, 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 ever. I think that that's what's... Uh, 
that's what's so amazing about it, you know, and, and the way that, uh, the way they, they casted Tom Hanks for that movie too, you know, a cool, a cool thing about Tom Hanks, you know, was when, when they casted Forrest Gump along with, so it was around the same time that they were casting Apollo 13 and, uh, help me with the guy's name. He was from happy days, the director, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. So Ron Howard is directing Apollo 13 and, and it comes to the casting much like Forrest Gump. And then with Apollo 13, this is, this is what's cool. They said, we really need to tug at the audience's strings about this movie. And in order to really make this movie good, we got to make sure that the, the astronaut, who did he play? Is it Lovell? The Jim Lovell he played in Correct. that movie? Yep. You got it. Okay. So he played, he played Jim Lovell from Apollo 13. And he said, you know, when we're looking for an actor, we, we have to really find someone that people want to get home. And, you know what I mean? And it sounds simple, but like, and that's why they picked Tom Hanks because mm. everyone's always rooting for Tom Hanks. Like you love Tom Hanks. And, and you like, so it wasn't just about getting the astronaut home. It was about getting Tom Hanks home. And that, and then Ron Howard kind of goes into this long process. It was a pretty cool behind the scenes look into why they picked it. And they casted Tom Hanks for that role, because not only was he a terrific actor at the time, but at the end of the day, everyone wants to see Tom Hanks get home safely. That is such a fun fact, Joe. And you're absolutely right. Who doesn't want Tom Hanks to make it home? I'm telling you, he's, one of, the, he's one of the all-time greatest. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. if you could live on an island That's right. uh, and cast away and, and just be the only actor, I think I could do that. I think I could live on my own island for a little while and be within my own thoughts. Although, like most people, I don't think you want to sit. I don't think you want to sit with your own thoughts too awfully long. That's like the source of all addiction is not being able to be with yourself. And that's, that, that's not a good spot. Okay, Joe, so um, did you see the Cardinals and the Mets? I don't want to call it a brawl, but did you see that scrum? I, you know, I missed the scrum. Was it last night? I heard about it. Some of the guys were talking about it this morning. Oh, no, no. It was on Wednesday during the day game. The Cardinals and okay. the Mets. Yeah, both of them were going at it. And I wanted to ask you about fighting. I spent some time watching some fights of yours on YouTube last night, so I know you know about fighting. But, Joe, what's the most important quality in someone when you're picking a fighter? Just got to pick the right one. You know, <laughs> I, I think the... Uh, like everyone always says, you know, you want to be a good fighter, just got to pick a good opponent. I mean, that, that to me is the key. I obviously picked the wrong opponent in my last fight. Um, <laughs> right. but you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's a weird thing. You know, when, when you start introducing it into the sport of choice and, and baseball is a little different because those guys aren't used to it. Obviously it's part of the hockey culture. I got in my first fight uh, when I was playing for the junior blues, I think I was 16 years old where they had this big kid kind of running around and hitting everyone. I'll never forget Jack being at the Afton, Afton Arena there. He kind of was at the crow's nest and during tryouts, and he yelled down to our bench, and he goes, is anyone going to take care of this kid? And I just felt like, gosh, he was like staring right through me. I was like, oh, I think he I'm sure everyone felt like they were too talking to them. But I, I really like took it to heart. And, of course, I went out there, I picked a fight, and uh, I got beat up pretty good. I threw a couple punches in there, and, and that was it. But – but why I bring that up is because, you know, I think it's important, you know, here, I think we're so fearful of fighting. People are so fearful of, you know, getting in fights and things like that. And I was too. And then at the end of the day, you get in one, like anything you're fearful of. Once you do it, you realize it's not so bad. And I did it. And I realized I'm not made of glass and, and, and it's okay. And then that transitioned into college where I had Greg Cronin, who's a coach. He's now the coach of the American Hockey League for Colorado. In, in Fort Collins over there. And in Boston, where I went to school, we have like these days where we would work out 
before practice and our equipment practice, and then we would go to South Boston. We go to Southie and we would box. We would just beat the crap out of each other. Like we would just box <laughs> each other. And like we're starting to learn the technical stuff and the footwork, but we were just like assault each other, right? And and that's kind of where I really learned uh, to be technical with fighting. Um, but hockey hockey fighting is a, a completely different beast. Number one, obviously, you got to pick the right opponent. Um, and, and it's hard for these players now. I mean, you know, when I kind of broke into the league, YouTube started becoming a thing. But before that, I mean, you lose a fight, it's not a big deal. But it, it's stressful being in fights nowadays because, you know, there's 18,000 people watching and then there's millions of people watching on TV and then it's on YouTube and they'll never, ever go away. So there's so much pressure where guys don't want to lose fights and get beat up. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's not a feeling in the world that's more rewarding than after a fight. I, I, I mean this. Like when you're going to the penalty box, whether you win, lose, or draw, there is something about getting in that moment and defending a teammate or defending your team or trying to create energy in the building for your team and putting your body in such a vulnerable state and, and where you could seriously be embarrassed in front of so many people. And, and getting through that is something really, really admirable. And that's where you look at baseball, you look at hockey, whatever it is, you know, you, you see players with passion, and sometimes that passion over, over boils a little bit, and that's, and that's okay. Joey, I got to tell you, as a fan, I, I've watched Chris Draper, who had his gloves glued to his hands, and he's whacking people. And I've I watched Duncan Keith and Seabrook in their prime, and I, I, I literally got blackout rage, Well, whether I was in the press box or the stands. And I don't think that you, as a player, as a fighter, and this is why you go into the ring and practice, you can't have blackout rage and be a hockey fighter, can you? Because you need to be really cool and technical. It, it is absolutely right. This isn't, you know, we're not in the backyard wrestling your brother. Uh, there's so much, there's so much technical stuff. I think that's involved with fighting now. Um, slow center of gravity. I mean, look at Ty Domi, one of the best fighters um, ever. Not, not an overly big guy, but he was very, very under control and very underneath his edges. And you're right to, to be in check with emotions. You know, I, I'll never forget the one fight um, I got in. I, I fought James Wisniewski from Columbus. He split my nose open so so bad. I was concussed for like months. My, this is why my nose is still crooked today. I, I, I almost want him to sign my nose one day and, and, and say thanks for that. Um, still have sinus problems. I'm, I'm the worst snore in the world. Thanks. My wife appreciates James Wisniewski, what he did to my nose. But he was a lefty, right? And I didn't know that. And, and this is one of my, my, my earlier fights, my younger fights, where I was just kind of like, you know, feisty and all horned up and just wanted to go out against everybody. And, and I didn't really do a lot of studying. And, and that fight was something, like you talk about um, not going out all blackout rage on it, it's, there, there's an education behind it as well. Like, like Ryan Reed, um, you look at Zach Cassian, these guys know, these guys know what, how each other's throws. They know, is he a lefty, is he a righty? Does he like to tangle up first? Does he like to keep his distance? Does he strike early? Like there's a whole scouting report, and there's like, it's almost like warfare, where you, where you learn about your opponent and so, so in-depth. And then, and then you go out there and you attack. You know, Steve Ott and I were talking the other day, and we were joking about because he got in a really bad fight um, in Arizona when he was fighting Jamie Benn years ago. And then he was talking about, oh, I knew he was a lefty. I knew he did this. And, and we, I, was really, I really admired how much he knew about Jamie Benn heading into that fight, or whoever it was at the time. And he goes, oh, I knew about, about you too. And he started, like, giving me the scouting report about like what I used to do and how I used to do it. He's like, oh, Joe, you were like a wild stallion. You would just come in and just start swinging right. If I could just tie up your right, I knew I was good to go. And it, was, it was amazing. But, but again, it, it's not just these barbarians going out there and just whacking each other. It's, it's guys that are very smart. They have the scouting reports. You know, you go in the locker room. 
and, and you see the blueprint, the goalie, sky report for the goalie. This is where his holes are. This is where you can expose them. Here's a power play. This is what their breakout looks like. Believe it or not, guys, they have, when I was in Pittsburgh and Arizona, they had a little section for, for they called it guys to look out for. And it was underlying guys to look out for. And there would be like two or three guys in the list, Matt Martin, you know, Sezikis, Kyle Clutterbuck, if you're playing the New York Islanders. It would say what they are, and it would kind of say what their tendencies were. And I know the, the third-line, fourth-line guys and the bottom pair of defensemen, that's, that's exactly what they looked right away, and they kind of looked at some clips. I remember guys pulling up YouTube videos of their fights before the game. It's, it, it certainly is a process. It, it's something you got to be um, very careful about. you got to educate yourself about. Um, I learned the hard way, and, and James Wisniewski and, and my crooked nose, they, um, <laughs> to this day, it's a, it's a tough lesson. I have to look at it every single day, but uh, a lesson well-learned nonetheless. Well, Joe, I guess we should ask you about the Blues since we're running out of time here. Blues and the Golden yeah. Knights tonight, pregame starting at 6 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. The Blues still have home ice advantage out there. They have to take care of business versus Vegas, and the Wild have to lose to Colorado in regulation in order for the Blues to finish second and get home ice advantage. But outside of taking care of Vegas and putting themselves in the best position to get home ice, what are you looking to see out of the Blues in their final regular season game tonight before they head into the playoffs? You know, I, I, Michelle, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is stay healthy. Um, that's, that's, that's without being, you know, without looking too deep into things. You want to you want to pull out of this game without any injuries. You know, Billy Huso is going to be in the net. Um, you want to make sure that he kind of gets away, um, ready to go for round one. Um, to stick on Billy Huso, I think something this team would love to have, and I think anyone as a St. Louis Blues fan would love to have, is you want Billy Huso very confident heading into next week, right? So this is a game tonight where if if you don't show up and you have every reason in the world not to show up, you got a couple of guys still out. Maybe Braden Shen doesn't come back tonight. Maybe Tory Krug, they give him a maintenance day. Maybe David Prom still needs another day off with his lower body injury. Missing some bodies, you get a little loosey-goosey. You know the Vegas Golden Knights, maybe they don't bring their best game because they're out of a playoff spot. Are they going to play to a low level? Are you going to match that and play to a low level? Now, the problem with that is if you play to that low level, you're going to be exposed defensively, and maybe you're not there for your goaltender. And that's where it's kind of a slippery slope, where if you're not good enough defensively, then maybe Billy Huso lets in four, maybe five goals, right? And maybe his confidence is a little shaken, and maybe the coach's decision is a little shaken about who he goes with for game one, right? So you want to make sure that Billy is feeling good, He's feeling confident. So you want to see a good defensive game from St. Louis. Another thing I think is really important, I think it's okay to bring to bring the physicality up a notch. I actually think it's going to be more of a physical game than people realize tonight. And I think it's because Craig Berube wants to start establishing this style um, and not pull away from it, you know, a week before playoffs. You know, the Colorado game had it a little bit, but it's a little bit. You know, Arizona was there in spurts, but then they let it get away from the third period. So, they have been playing great hockey in the last couple of months. This past road trip, it's been a long season. It's been you know, an 82-game grind, right? It has started to fall off a little bit. So I think they really want to get back to it. You're on home ice. You have the ability, the opportunity to win here tonight with a Minnesota loss and secure home ice, which is really important for them. So to really bring the energy, to bring the physicality, to, to establish yourself and to kind of set the tone, I think, heading into next week, which is ultimately going to be a, a very, very, very physical battle. And they, and they want to kind of get off to the right foot here tonight. Mama always had a way of explaining things so I could understand them. And uh, Joey V, you're the same way. You, you got to be. Just just make animal analogies in human anatomy. You know, like I like I was saying the other day. That, that's, that's all that it is. Just kind of you know, imagine imagine talking to a kid. Like and you guys do this really well. You know, imagine you explain a hockey to a child, and that's how most fans are. They don't really understand most most of it. So you just kind of explain like you're explaining to a six year old, and typically. You know, it's some, I read a book once. It's like anything you need to learn in life, you learned in kindergarten. I think there's yep. a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. 
100%. And that, I read that book, too. And I don't read many books, Joey. And that, that was great. Well, you're a smart guy, Randy. You're a smart guy. Yeah, I, well, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> but I'm making my way through. I'm more like running for five years. It's, it's, it's working out for me. You're we'll doing see, fine. We'll see you tonight at the rink. Sounds great, guys. You guys have a great day. You too. Thanks, Joey. Joey V with us on 101 ESPN. And Michelle and I are going to be there. we got to stop by the booth. Of course. Looking forward to it. And by the way, you always remember where Forrest Gump is from. Because remember in the movie, he said Greenbow, Alabama. Yeah. Right. Never forget that. Then he wore the Alabama helmet. That's right. Played for Bear Bryant. Ran right out of the stadium. The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's 839 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Man, we are late getting to the fight today. But that's what happens when you're talking to Joey V. We're talking about Forrest Gump and boxing and getting horned up. I mean, this is what we do with Joe Vitale. It looks like our our next guest is going to join us in the studio anyway. I saw Mr. Rutherford palling around the studio. So, oh, great. So it's going to work out perfectly. What a great Friday surprise. <laughs> As Love. I was texting him, we were going to be late. He popped up in the, in the in the back studio and surprised me. Love having JR in studio. What a great Friday. Well, let's welcome in our fighter this morning. Paul's with us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. You ready to take on Randy in the fight? Well... I feel like I'm going to be more like Pete Alonzo or like that <laughs> linebacker that Josh Allen threw the ball over against the Colts. I'm probably going to get stomped. Well, you but, do. Uh, but, I, but I also wanted to mention that Wayno, Bumgarner, and Clayton Kershaw and no one on auto are guys I wouldn't mess with. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with any of those, those guys. Three, so those three pitchers are good old country boys, and that's just <laughs> – it's a, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I drafted Wayno on my on my squad of Cardinals I don't want to mess with. So I'm with you, Paul. All right, here you go. Good luck to you. Question number one. Since 1901, what National League team do the Cardinals have the best winning percentage against? Is it the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Miami Marlins, or the San Diego Padres? The San Diego Padres. Happy birthday to St. Louis native David Lee. What college did Lee play basketball for? Was that UNC, Florida State, or Florida? I'll go with Florida. Question number three for you, Paul. While his NFL career is what he's most... Hold on, let me start over. While his NFL career is most well-known for his time on the Raiders, which NFL team first drafted Bo Jackson? Is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Baltimore Colts, or the New Orleans Saints? The Baltimore Colts, I believe. And who holds the record for most strikeouts thrown by a Cardinals rookie pitcher in their rookie season? Is that Jaime Garcia, Rick Ankiel, or Adam Wainwright? Adam Wainwright. Checking our score here. Yep. Waving in Randy. He's not paying attention. He's trying. Ah, there he is. There we go. Coming on in. Can I uh, make an adjustment to question number two, Matt? 
we got to address him correctly as NBA champion. You're, 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 you know what? Yes, you're 100% correct. He's a champion that's my apologies. and should be addressed that's as such. That's my apology. You're absolutely right. It's like an Oscar winner. You win that Oscar, you're yeah. forever known as Oscar winner Will Smith. The funny thing is, well, is I, 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 I that, literally double-checked to see if I had to say and won a championship at that school for his college days and for some reason just completely blanked on the championship he won you find out, in Randy. the NBA. It's a okay. question. Randy, say good morning to Paul. Paul, good morning. How are you doing? Good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. Since 1901, what National League team do the Cardinals have the best winning percentage against? Um, hmm. I'm going to go probably a team that hasn't had the opportunity to be... Really good. First of all, they they always used to get killed on the West Coast. Even when the Padres were not good, they lost a lot of games out there. Uh, I'm guessing that it's not a division rival. Certainly not the Dodgers because they're basically 500 against the Dodgers. So uh, it, it's not the Mets. Could be the Diamondbacks. I don't think it's the Rockies. Cards, Cubs. I'm sorry, let's do the Braves, Mets, Marlins. Um, Marlins might be pretty good, although they've lost some pretty bad series. I'll I'll cut it down here by doing the the lifeline. Diamondbacks, Marlins, Padres. Okay, that uh, that. So I said it's not the Padres. So I'm going to go. It's not being not the Padres. So I will go with the. Diamondbacks. Happy birthday to St. Louis native and NBA champion David Lee. Thank you, sir. What college did Lee play basketball for? I believe David Lee was a Florida Gator, if I'm not mistaken. Randy, while his NFL career is most well known for his time on the Raiders, go ahead. You want to do that again? Do, 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 do. Go, Gators. Okay. okay. Glad you got that out. While his NFL career is most well known for his time on the Raiders, which NFL team first drafted Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson, I believe was a first-round draft choice and decided not to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And who holds the record for most strikeouts thrown by a Cardinals rookie pitcher in their rookie season? Well, Rick Ankiel had 194. It's hard for me to believe somebody had more than that, so I'm going to go with him. This was a bloodbath on a Friday. Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Here's to the winner. I am the champion. He's a man. He had a beard. What? What's that one about? Sometimes we got to get some fun stuff in there. Some What's different that from? Stuff. What's that from? That's from uh, Ricky Bobby from Talladega oh, Nights. Talking okay. about I don't uh, that one. the sweet, uh, the the little baby Jesus. Oh. And then uh, Chip says he's a man. He had a beard. Okay, so this is different than tuxedo T-shirt Jesus, right? Exactly. Okay. Right, good. Yeah. Well noted. I'm sorry, Paul. Randy. He he didn't even make it close. I'm sorry. He got all four correct. You got one correct though, so that's good. Yeah, I, I should have gotten a few more correct. 
I, w- I wasn't thinking about the uh, first one. At least I did name a West Coast team. That's right. That's right. You did a good job. Uh, well, let's run through our answers here, even though we know them because Randy got all four correct. But since 1901, the Diamondbacks, uh, that's the team that the Cardinals have the best winning percentage against. 98-61, and 61, a 61.6% winning percentage. Except in the 2000 NLDS, 2001 NLDS. And it would shock you, the Padres Sorry, are actually third on that list. The best record they have—it goes in that order. It's Diamondbacks, Marlins, and then Padres. Wow, interesting. Uh, NBA champion and St. Louis native David Lee played his college basketball at Florida, and Bo Jackson was first drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1986. And it's Rick Ankiel. He is the Cardinals' rookie pitcher that holds the record for the most strikeouts. Paul, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you, Paul. Yes. I've been waiting for that one. I'm kind of a big deal. If you want to throw down and fist, it's so damn hot. Wow. Unloading the barrel on a Friday. Are you proud of me, though, Michelle? Yes, I love that the Nelly one finally made its debut. Perfect. Wanted you to be happy about that. Perfect. It's so good. Doesn't morning. it make you happy too? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am happy about it. It's a good one. We got to find some new and exciting things. Yeah. Congratulations on your victory, Randy. <laughs> Thank you. Good work I this congratulated week. myself a little bit. Yeah, I think you did. I think you pat yourself on the back every day. It's amazing you don't have shoulder issues. <laughs> Coming up, Jeremy Rutherford talking some blues hockey. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Character and Smallman and Jeremy Rutherford joins us in studio today to talk blues hockey. Good morning. How you doing? What brings you in? Good morning. Doing well. You know, uh, I've been up since 6 o'clock. we got this group of guys that goes running in Imperial. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went for, a, I don't know, about six miles. Drove along. Yeah, Casual. we beat the rain. We beat the rain. Yeah, so uh, just figured I'd stop by. You've already so, been up for three hours, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> three hours, got my cup of coffee, and we're ready to go. There you go. Good to hear. Oh. So are you... Uh, and it's amazing how polarizing and how emotional the idea of a jersey sponsor patch is. And I, I know you got a lot of responses on your athletic piece. Are you thumbs up, thumbs down, or don't care? Here's my thing. And, yeah, I did see. As soon as I posted that, by the way, like you could post that, uh, you know, Tarasenko's been traded, and it might take 10 seconds to get a mm-hmm. reply on Twitter. As soon as I posted the jersey thing, Stiefel's going to be the sponsor on the front of the jersey, it was like, Immediate reaction. And, yeah. you know, there are some people who uh, who don't like it, obviously. Here's where I stand. This is 2022. Pro sports teams need to make money. It's a business. The sweater is sacred. Mm-hmm. I get it. Do you want to look at the sweater and see something on the front of it? Probably not, right? But there are people, you know, Chris Zimmerman, you know, Steve Chapman, all those guys down there, they need to figure out a way to keep this business afloat. And this is a way to do it. So, you know, I sit there, do, do people tell me how to run my finances and make 
my family work and things like that, yeah, it's different. You know, the fans have a part in the uh, in the team, but they have to do what they have to do to, to make money and pay the bills. So I, I don't care. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Who, 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 it, by the way, who does the helmets? Just out of curiosity. Well, it, it was Stiefel and Enterprise uh, home for Stiefel away for Enterprise, but uh, Stiefel won't be on the helmet anymore, uh, just on the sweater. Okay. Don't you think it's one of those things, too, that five years from now we won't even – it wouldn't even be an issue because notice. we'll be so used to it. You're right. The only thing is, and I talked to Chris Zimmerman about this, is I said, you know, there's one next year. Is there going to be five yeah. in a couple of years? And he said, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think so. Right. You don't want it to be cluttered. Well, speaking of running a business, Doug Armstrong runs a business better than anybody. And heading into this season with Vladimir Tarasenko reportedly not wanting to be here, a lot of us didn't really know how that was going to play out this year. But Army stuck with Vladdy, didn't find the right option to move him, and he came back, and it's been a great season for Vladimir Tarasenko. And I loved in your Q&A, JR, at The Athletic, where you were asked about Tarasenko, and you described the godfather role that Vladimir Tarasenko has sort of taken on this year. And I think that just, I want you to explain it, but I I think that really speaks a lot to who Vladdy is, that after all of that, this is the type of role that he absorbed this year. Yeah, it really is. And I'll be a scene setter here. Uh, The Blues were just in Arizona, and I happened to be staying at the same hotel as the team this time. And there's this courtyard area at the Renaissance in Arizona, and it's just beautiful. I mean, you got the the grass, you got the palm trees, you got the, the chairs, the furniture, all that stuff. And who walks out in the... In the afternoon is Tarasenko, Buchnevich, and Barbashev, and they sit out in the courtyard area. And at that point, I hadn't interviewed Doug Armstrong yet, and he hadn't, he hadn't said the Godfather role for mm-hmm. Vladimir Tarasenko. But that's what it looked like. It really yeah. did. Like sitting around the patio f- furniture, <laughs> you have Vladdy walking out. And you guys, you see him sometimes uh, in the games. He's just got the hair just all over the place, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, So he's sitting there like in his white T-shirt with the hair all <laughs> over the place with Buchnevich and Barbashev mm-hmm. next to him. I think it's been good for Vladdy. It's been good for the team. He really feels like uh, he's got some good buddies. Did he have like a quarter of an orange in his mouth? By any chance? <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> but it's odd that we're talking about this because uh, where were we were? Tony Soprano's son was there. The oh, other yeah. oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. I saw yeah, that picture. Gandolfini's son. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, a lot of questions about tonight. Number one, if the Blues win and the Wild lose, the Blues would have home ice. You talk to a lot more players than we do. We talk to Peron. Peron says, no big deal. We, we might even prefer to start on the road. What does the general populace of the, the room think? Yeah, the opposite of David Peron. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, if they got to start on the road, that's fine. What That was their first road regulation loss in forever you know, yeah. in Colorado. Uh, they were... What nine zero and one going into that game on the road? So they've played really good hockey on the road. I think they could, you know, go to Minnesota and, and be fine. Um, I just know it's it's you know it's the playoffs. It's going to be a hostile environment. But I think with Minnesota, and I think I said this to you, Randy, is uh, you know Billy Guerin's really turned that team around. They've got a great team. A couple years ago, maybe that wasn't the case. This Minnesota fan base is they're ready for it, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's going to be really tough. And then also with the way the Blues have had Minnesota's number. The past, what, 13, 14 games, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when you see that, you start to think, "Ah, you know, is that going to be different, you know, come playoffs? And I wonder if there's a method to the madness of the Blues not seeing Fleury in a wild sweater yet. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, those last couple games, Cam Talbot, and you know, you you gave up big leads, uh, at least the one game, Minnesota did the other, and you won both of them in overtime. So, you know, home, away, I think it's going to be a seven-game series regardless, uh, but... 
uh, so I don't have to pack a suitcase Sunday. <laughs> I would prefer that uh, things would work out tonight. Fair yeah, enough. do it for JR. Can Come I be on. selfish? Yeah, of course, <laughs> always. Um, well, let's stick with the goalie. So prior to the loss uh, at Colorado, that 5-3 to three loss, prior to that, Jordan Bennington had been between the pipes for five victories. And at times during that game, it looked like some of the problematic things that we had seen from Jordan Bennington earlier in the season. But as we head into the playoffs, if Jordan Bennington is called upon, where's your confidence level with number 50? Yeah, no, I think better after seeing those five games. But I, you know, I said it, I thought that in the Colorado game, you saw some of those things that you saw prior to the five games, right? The sliding around, the out of position, just a little bit disoriented. And, you know, a couple shots from outside, you know, Craig Bruby was wishing the Blues would have got some sticks on those shots to prevent them, help Jordan Bennington and that. But I just felt watching them. Colorado's a good team, obviously. It was a tough game. Uh, they had lost four in a row. They were really humming, but I felt like Jordan Bennington looked like the guy pre-five victory. So where's the confidence level? You know, if Billy Huso gets pulled, that means the Blues aren't playing well, right? So you got a you got a Blues team not playing well, and then you put a guy in there who you know you got questions about. You know, on a ten scale, a six maybe. Yeah. All right, a couple more. Number one. Of the guys that weren't here in 2019, who are you most intrigued about seeing in the playoffs? Uh, let's see here. So Robert Thomas For me, it's Bucinavich. Yeah, Bucinavich, right. I was trying to go through my uh, head here. Um, I, I think it has to be. I mean, a 30-goal scorer, Craig Bruby mm-hmm. called it, right? He said, I think this guy can be a 30-goal scorer. Yeah. You know, I think that line's going to be... Uh, continue to play well, and uh, they're going to go up against a tough line, that grief line in Minnesota, right, with Eric Sinek. Yeah. Uh, they are really good defensively, and that's an aspect of starting on the road, you know. So you go up to Minnesota, and Evison, Coach Evison, and Minnesota is going to get that matchup, that last change, and he's going to put the grief line out against uh, Thomas, so they're going to have to rise above that, but that's a good call there. And 72, by the way. Is that's what I was going to say. That yeah. was my pick. Has he been terrific He's been so what? great this year, and we forget that he wasn't here that year because the pandemic has shifted everyone's timelines, but he's been so great great this year, and I think he's going to be awesome in the playoffs. Justin Falk. Yeah, it's a good call, too. Uh, so when I had that one-on-one with uh, Army a couple days ago, I asked him point-blank, is he underrated? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't seem like people talk about him enough around the league for everything he, he does. Uh, you know, it's a cliche, but you watch Justin Falk, just a great stick. Like, he breaks up everything. Everything coming his way, uh, he's able to somehow sniff it out. And then what do you think of whatever Colorado has to do, and nothing has been finalized yet, but I would love to ha- see Colorado get a little bit beat up in the first you round. You would? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we all would, right? Yeah. But the, the, who would you like to see him play? Yeah, no. Um, and right by the way, if it started today, it'd be Dallas. Yeah, it'd be Dallas. Dallas, you know, has, uh, I thought they were going to be out of it like a month ago, but they figured out a way to get into it. Um, the tough thing is you, you probably say, Nashville, but now Nashville's without Soros. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be a tough series for them. So, I don't know. That one's kind of a pick em. And And honestly, if if they get they get Rantan back, you know, they're going to get Landeskog back when the playoffs start game one. How is he going to be with the knee injury coming mm-hmm. off the, the, the surgery? Um, I just think Colorado's going to take care of whoever they play. I think they are, too. And in the East, listen to these matchups right now as we speak. And I think it's going to, yeah, it's going to wind up being this way. So you've got Florida against Washington, really compelling series. You've got Carolina against Boston, really compelling series. You've got Toronto and Tampa Bay, <laughs> which is a really, really, really compelling series. And the Rangers and the Penguins. Yeah, I mean, every single series in the East is a great matchup. Really compelling, and I think there's three of those where 
either team could win. I, I think, though, some of those teams, you know, you think of Washington, you think, you know, Washington, they're capable. Uh, but they've had their struggles here lately, too. And Ovi's hurt, right? Yeah, and he's got the upper body injury. You know, to me, out of that group, I think they're all pretty even except for Florida. You know, Florida just so dominant. So you would expect Florida to come out of the East. But talking about beating each other up, I think you're going to see a lot of that with those series. I would think so. Hey, you have a great weekend. We're at the rink tonight. Should we come up and uh, visit For Jaya? sure, for yeah, sure. So I'll come down and see you guys. You don't we're going to be uh, moving back and forth between clients. And oh, so, I got gotcha. Yeah, but w- maybe we'll bring you to a booth so that you can... little glad-handing? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what we, we want to do. That's awesome. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That's our buddy Jeremy Rutherford. He's our Blues Insider from The Athletic and joining us here in studio on 101 ESPN. The NFL Draft started last night. Our takeaways from round one next on 101 ESPN. ESPN is everywhere. Wherever you go, we go. The 101 ESPN app in your app store or Google. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. The NFL Draft will continue tonight with rounds 2 and 3 and then rounds 4 through 7 tomorrow here on 101 ESPN starting at 11 a.m. And Michelle, between the innings of the Cardinal game, so I had a TV on the right side with the Suns and the Pelicans and then I had my TV right in front of me with the Cardinals and then between innings I would go over and watch the NFL Draft, which was interesting because they had a million trades. And there were some interesting choices made. I thought, though, for the most part, Teams, aside from the team with the number one overall pick, did pretty well in filling needs. And that includes the Giants and the Jets. I'm going to give, and the Lions. Yeah. Who got the St. Louis? Yeah. Shout out to Jamison Williams, the newest Detroit Lion. Yeah. So teams that historically have been pretty stupid did some pretty (laughs) smart things last night. But even if they did smart things, Randy, and the draft, don't discount their ability to mess it up once the players get in house. That's the key. They will. And it's inevitable because look how many top choices. Logical choices the Lions have had over the years, and they still haven't been to a Super Bowl. I might be in the minority here, but I love Dan Campbell. I love his energy. I love his enthusiasm. He seems like a really good football guy that a lot of people love to play for. I think that, and Detroit had some surprising wins last year. They had some games where they played some really good teams close. I think that they're going to be on the right path. I think Dan Campbell is going to get them on the right path. And let's start with this, because the best player... I believe, in this draft, fell into their lap at number two in Aiden Hutchinson. And not only is he the best player, Michelle, but he grew up around there. Mm-hmm. He was a Lions fan growing up. He went to Michigan. Yeah, that's right. He's like the perfect guy for that franchise. I was surprised, based on the production that he had in college, that he didn't go number one overall. But I think that the Lions had an amazing draft. When you think about the fact that you got Jamison Williams, who I think is a steal at number 12 because of the ACL injury that he he dealt with in the national championship game. He's on the, the road mm-hmm. to recovery. And with ACLs these days, it just seems like they don't impact players the way no. that they used to. So the fact that he was available at number 12 for for them to get up and get him, I thought was amazing. And Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is going to be a star in the NFL. Yeah, so you have things to look forward to with the Lions. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, sometimes, Michelle, coaches think they're better than they really are. And I hope <laughs> that the staff in Jacksonville can get the most out of uh, Trayvon Walker and that he winds up being as good as Aiden Hutchinson. But from their production in college, there's no real reason to believe that. Here's Mel Kuyper of ESPN. 
Yeah, lack of production, Scotty. I think your number one pick overall, 16, 15, even 14, I'd have been fine with the risk-reward, okay? As Lewis Riddick always says, mitigate risk. But when you're not productive in college in terms of finishing, I'm talking about nine and a half career sacks, 13 career tackles for loss, one career force fumble. I get the talent. I see the versatility, and I see the quickness inside. I don't see the quickness outside. I don't see the hand usage. I don't see that. So I don't see one-on-one domination to be the number one pick overall. And I went back to the history books. And I looked at the guys that went high. They, they triple, quadruple the numbers, Scott, in terms of those finishing numbers. So this is historically low. The talent is historically high. So I am with Mel there. Do you agree with Mel? I do. And I, and I read a lot about Jacksonville, Jacksonville's rationale here, and they really love his versatility. The fact that he lined up at defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker. They they see that the talent is there and that he's a versatile guy. And I know that they liked the fact that his two best games of the season were in the college football playoffs. So his production is there when it matters most. But he was even the best player on that Georgia defense. Right, right. Which is just so surprising to me that they would utilize that number one overall pick for a guy that wasn't the best player on his own defense. Right. Now, Michelle, I I want you to give me your favorite pick. I'll tell you my favorite pick. And when I look at receivers, college receivers, I think this is reasonable. I compare them to Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. I believe the guy in this draft at wide receiver that was most comparable to Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt is Chris Olave. And the Saints moved up to get Olave from Ohio State. And depending on what Jameis does, and maybe you get Michael Thomas back, man, that offense with Alvin Kamara in the backfield, that offense could be really special. And I think Olave is going to be an immediate impact guy like Torrey Holt was for the 99 Rams. That's a good pick, Randy. You know who I loved is the Jets taking Sauce Gardner, number Mm -hmm. four overall. I think that this kid is an absolute stud. He's allowed zero touchdown passes in her in his career. 1,103 coverage snaps, zero touchdowns. He's a lockdown corner. Quarterbacks are going to be afraid to throw at this guy. And I thought that was a really smart pickup for the Jets. And the two teams that lost receivers before the draft, two teams traded receivers last night, Baltimore trading Hollywood Brown to Arizona and the Titans trading A.J. Brown to Philly. But... The Packers took two defensive players from Georgia, and the Kansas City Chiefs didn't wind up with a wide receiver in the first round. I, I question, unless they trade up early into the second round today, I question the moves of those teams in not getting wide receivers. What did you think? I'm trying to scroll down really quick and get the name, but there was a lot of reaction to the uh, the Patriots. Pick yeah, Cole last Strange night. from Thank Chattanooga. You, Cole Strange. I was I knew Chattanooga, but I couldn't place the yeah, name. It's a strange pick. Oh, good one, Randy. A dad joke on a Friday. It's nine eleven. I'm surprised it took this long in the show. Really, <laughs> I, I I just don't know anything about the guy. But that being said. When you look at Bill Belichick's draft history, it's not great. No, it's not, which is why I was surprised. I guess I shouldn't be surprised then that they would go for a guy that not a lot of people knew anything about. But, yeah, just the reaction around the league was like kind of like, what is he doing? Really? Yeah. If you look, and especially at linemen, for the most part, Power 5 linemen are there and playing for championships for a reason. It's really hard for a one double a lineman taking nothing away from the quality of the individuals but it's really hard for those guys unless something happens in college where they just beef up 
it's hard for those guys to be as big and strong naturally as guys that wind up in Power 5 conferences. Now, you did have the Northern Iowa tackle getting taken, and he has a chance. He's big and strong and mean, but and that's Trevor Penning, who also went to the Saints. But there are flaws in his game. He, he commits a lot of penalties. So I, I just really question the Patriots in taking a guy like that when there were other interior linemen on the board that seemed to have more of a history in playing big-time football. This also was an interesting draft because of the lack of quarterbacks taken early. We're so used to quarterbacks mm-hmm. going number one overall, or at least in the top three or five. Albert Breer had this tweet, Randy, the last time a quarterback didn't go in the first half of the first round. Do you know it? Was it uh, the draft with Tavon Austin? Was it E.J. Manuel? It was 2000 when Chad Pennington was the first one to go at 18th overall. So it's been 22 years since that had happened. And I think a lot of people were wondering if there would be as much sizzle in this draft without the intrigue with quarterbacks. But with the the trades going on and um, some of the surprising picks, the NFL, they always find a way. They always find a way to make it interesting. And I would think Malik Willis will go reasonably early this evening in round two. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Wild are bringing their best squad in years either way, but the Blues have handled them so far in the regular season. So how are the Blues going to handle Minnesota in the playoffs? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. T-Mac and Ajax are out today. T-Mac is apparently sick or doing something. And so we're going to be with you until... Oh, on a Friday. Yeah, right. Oh, there convenient. You go. Convenient three-day weekend, yeah, Timmy. We know. Saying, We've Tim. seen it before. <laughs> He's <coughs> sick. <laughs> right. Sure. So we're going to be with you till 1030 today. And then Alex Ferrario and uh, the one and only Brandon Kiley and... Our good friend, Tanner Hendrickson. I was with Katie Wu for lunch yesterday, and she said, I love Tanner. She told me that, too, when I was at the ballpark on Tuesday. She's a big Tanner fan. Yeah, so uh, it'll be BK and Ferrario and Tanner with you from 1030 until 2, and then the fast lane starts. Michelle, it really doesn't matter what a team's overall record is during the season once the playoffs start, does it? You can look at the last month. You can even look since the first of the year, maybe since we, we had the Winter Classic. But I just told you during the break that the Wild are 38 and two at home. 30 wins, eight losses, two ties. And the Blues are 26-9 and five at home. But does that really matter now? It, Especially once you get into the playoffs? No, the playoffs are kind of like setting a, a restart button. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what happened before. The intensity is different. The matchups are different. The teams are different, depending on, mm-hmm. like you said, what happened at the beginning of the season. No, I don't think... Yes, it tells a story, but I don't think it really holds a lot of stock as you get into the playoffs. I'm with you there. And Craig Berube is obviously preparing for the Wild, but also trying to win tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. So how difficult is that? I don't know if it's tough. I mean, we, you know, we we focus on both of it, you know, both sides of things. And, uh, you know, I think our players do too. Um, We talk about playoffs, but... You know, we talk about significant things that need to be done in the playoffs. You know, we still have a game tomorrow against Vegas, and that focus has to be on the game tomorrow in Vegas. As you prepare for a hockey game, don't hockey people always talk about simplifying things and mm-hmm. playing a simple game? Sure. So preparation 
basically should be pretty easy if you're trying to get as simple as you can. Especially when it's an opponent that you faced a couple, a several lot. times this season. A yeah, a lot, right? No doubt about it. And what does Chief think about where his team is right now? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, we put a you know, string of quite a few games together. We're playing real good hockey, and you know, even the Colorado game. You know, other than the second period for ten minutes, it was pretty good. And like, I don't that goal. You know, we give up in the, the start of the third period. It, it's you know, I talked about it the other night. Yeah, like that's just a little bit of lack of focus. You know, from everybody. Um, but you know, we battled back in the game. We did a lot of good things. So I do like where we're at right now, and um, going into the playoffs. And I think that you know there's just some certain significant things going into the playoffs that you really have to focus on to be successful in the playoffs so he likes way where they are as a team we like where the blues are as a team feel great about it but that being said if and we did the segment last week with as great as things are going what concerns you most about the blues you know the thing that concerns me most about the blues right now aside from the lack of knowledge about the goaltending in the playoffs is Jordan s- Cairo. Oh, I was going to say are you going to say health again? <laughs> no, no. It's it's because we haven't a seen Cairo in the playoffs mm-hmm. and b haven't seen him play consistently well for a long time now. See, and I'm not even that concerned about it. Yes, well we like to see the all-star version of Jordan Cairo absolutely, but with 820 goal scorers on the team, they're not that reliant on him to be that guy. They're finding ways to win even when he hasn't been that guy. I want an X factor though. And the X factor might be Ryan O'Reilly who is getting hot, isn't he? The X factor to me is the hottest guy on the team and that's Robert Thomas. If he continues mm-hmm. to play the way that he's playing, no one's going to stop him. That line has been unbelievable with Tarasenko, Thomas and Buchnevich and I I just think that sometimes the answer is the easiest one and that Robert Thomas could be the big X factor here. And Thomas obviously when he was playing with Kairou made Kairou a better player, but Kairou hasn't been playing with Robert Thomas. Has Ruby seen improvement in Kairou's game? Last game, I thought he had a good game. He was skating. He was attacking. Uh, wasn't as hesitant. Um, I'd like to see him shoot more still. I think he's he passes up opportunities to shoot the puck. He's got a shot that can beat goalies from out. So, you know, like I'm talking distance. And um, I think he can probably, sh- you know, get more pucks to the net. But I did like the way he um, stayed engaged in the game for the most part. If you're Jordan Cairo, don't you say, oh, okay, shoot, I'll, I'll shoot more. Yeah, I would say, thank you, I shall. <laughs> right. also, you, you asked for it, coach. Also, isn't it amazing that Craig Bruby is talking about Jordan Cairo being engaged in the game yeah. at this point in the season? Right, and Robert Thomas had the same thing. Uh-huh. It took a, a long time for Robert Thomas to become what he is. In fact, even this whole season, before he got hurt in December, he wasn't what he is now. It takes some guys some time, and we forget sometimes that they're really young, that Jordan Cairo is a 21, 22-year-old guy. What does Chief want to see from him defensively? The, the defensive side of things for me is about just reacting to not having a puck and using your feet. He's got such great speed just you know he could close so many plays out before he even get to our end with his ability to track people and that's the biggest thing is not resting without the puck working you know i don't care if you're i don't care if you're in the last forward back in our zone work to get back and you know you always when you do that good things happen and he has the ability to close a lot of plays out with his feet that's what he's got to do what are some other X factors that you're looking at between these two teams? Because the margin for error is really slim. They, these two teams know each other well. They play, they play each other hard. They're very comparable when you look at, at the stats of these two teams. I think, Michelle, and this is just based on the experience of winning the Cup in 2019, 
the ability of the fourth line to dictate play and cycle in the in the other team's zone and maintain offensive puck possession. I think that's huge. And that's one thing that Sunquist and Steen and Barbashev did so well <laughs> in 2019. And whoever that group winds up being, and right now it looks like Tyler Bozak is going to be on that in that group, right? It looks like uh, Torpchenko is going to be in, in that group, and then they might rotate. But I really do think that, especially because of the Blues' depth on the first three, they could win this thing with the fourth line. Yeah, the depth is going to be huge. I also, Randy, am looking at special teams. I think that with the Blues' penalty kill and the power play and how excellent they've been on special teams uh, this entire year, I think they're both in the top five right now. I need to look that up uh, mm-hmm. really quickly. But I just think that when it comes down to it, those little moments are, are when the Blues can really take advantage. And there are a couple of guys on Minnesota that are pests. And one of their best players is Marcus Foligno. And he's always going to be in your face and he's always going to be a hassle to deal with. And then they picked up Nicholas Delorier late and he in that last game that the Wild played here, he was just a hassle. And the Blues, when you talk about special teams, they need to keep their emotions in check and not react to the stuff that that jerk is doing. But after Brad Marchand, isn't any pest seem like, eh, no big deal? For the guys that were here before, but this is the new guys. You just can't let him cause you to, to take a whack at his ankles just because he's such a jerk. <laughs> And I know you want to. Right. There's no doubt. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And the Blues will play tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Last game of the season for Alex Petrangelo. So, Alex, uh, where's your tea time tomorrow? I was going to say, does he just already have all the stuff back in St. Louis? Yeah. Getting the new home in Chesterfield. Yeah. Yeah. So, tea time out in the Chesterfield area. Maybe, I don't know. It could be any golf course in the metro area. I think he's going to get in wherever he wants to play. Yeah, I would think Kind so. of a legend. Yeah. First guy to hoist the cup. Do know? we see him at uh, a Blues game, maybe? I don't know. I don't he's think He's still so. a competitor. That that probably doesn't feel great yeah. that probably you're not in the not. playoffs and your former team is. Even if you're in town and you love a lot of those guys, I don't think you're and there. You just made $8.8 million. Yeah, it's great. But still, competitors at, at, at their yeah, core, right. competitors. Yeah. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I thought if there was a dead solid lock guarantee in the fight today, it would be the last time that four defensive players were picked with the first four picks was 1991, who was the first pick in that draft. I thought that was a definite. And by the way, it was Russell Maryland of the Cowboys uh, from the University of Miami. Fantastic trivia question. I, sh- I don't know how I missed out on that one. That's a very good point. I thought it was a dead You know what? I thought the quarterback one that I just gave you the, was going to be really good. Yeah. You know what? It popped up to me on my Twitter that there was it was the first time that three defenders had ever been taken. I didn't think it was, and I didn't see that the I didn't see that the stat after the fourth one got picked. Yeah. That's fantastic. So the last time before that, three had been taken was the year after 1992, and the Colts had the first two picks. They took Steve Emptman, number one. Get back to him in a second. Quentin Corey at number two. They had the first two, and then Sean Gilbert was taken by the Rams at number three. Steve Emptman notable because he was Demarco's teammate. At Washington, he was the first pick in the draft. DeMarco undrafted a free agent, and DeMarco had a way better career than Steve Entman did. Mm, interesting. You know what we should have done today is have you list your top five. We could done, have done top ten 
bad St. Louis Rams draft. We can pick. do that at ten fifteen. You want to do that? Because yep. you have enough time for you yep. to put it together. Oh. Well, it's right up in your head. You could do it Believe right now. The, uh, <laughs> I just have to put them in order. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was going to say is that you might want to look through because there's probably ones that you forgot about that you're like, oh my god, that They're was all awful. Very painful. Very painful. Is Jason Smith number one? It was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay, not, you, to spo- well, not to spoil the segment. I'll, I'll have one for you at 10.15 Save it. that is particularly horrific, but as it turns out, the horror wound up working for us, but I'll tell you about it oh, at 10.15. what a tease. Okay. Okay. All right, but it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Last night, NBA playoffs. We haven't even talked about the NBA at all today, Randy. There's a lot going on. Cardinals playing, the Blues getting ready to get into the playoffs, the NFL draft. But we did have NBA playoffs last night. Game six between the Mavericks and the Jazz, a pivotal game six. Dallas ended up winning that game 98-96. to They win the series 4-2. to But ahead of the game, Rudy Gobert with one of the all-time weird sports injuries. So he actually has bees on his property. And he posted on his Instagram story that he got stung by a bee on the nose, which caused his eye to swell ahead of game six yesterday. It didn't affect his status. He played. But the fact that he got stung on the nose ahead of game six by a bee, one of those weird, weird sports injuries. What is an NBA player doing, essentially, I guess, developing honey? Is that it? Is that why he has? You don't have bees as a pet. You like you don't pet them or anything. They'll they'll sting you. So I guess it's for honey. But why an NBA player? And if you are an NBA, I get hobbies like Wayno. We've talked to him. We've done our show with Wayno while he's out in his garden. Loves right? to garden. Gar- Ask Matt Carpenter. Loves right. to get veggies that turn into salsa. That being said, if you are a professional athlete. Have somebody else work with the bees. There's no problem in having bees, but have somebody else work with them because it's kind of a dangerous thing because it could have affected his status before last night's game. Well, let's head to our favorite show, Inside the NBA, Mm -hmm. because you and Charles Barkley in lockstep, Randy, he also is like, what are you doing, Rudy Gobert, with the bees? I open the door and say, hey, bees. I I don't have an issue with him having a bee. Come on, man. Bees are not a pet. And first of all, he won't honey. The guy makes $30 million a year. Go down to the damn Acme. Or damn, Acme is a supermarket in Philly. So country. Go down to Publix over here, damn uh, Aspen Park, and get some damn honey. Oh my God! Come on, man. Bees are not a damn pet. Y'all know I'm. Come on, Ernie. I'm not, I'm not saying what that. What are you so kidding. fired up for? About day, bees man. are not a pet. Man. We didn't say they Ernie. were pets, man. He's at game day. Come on, Ernie. Don't, Ernie. If you go mess with bees, two things are going to happen. You're going to get stung. You're going to get stung every time. Come on, man. Leave them bees said, alone, man. The Leave them bees alone. Gonna two get, things are going to happen. You're going to get stung? No, you're going to get stung. <laughs> <laughs> bees are not pets, Rudy Gobert. I wasn't even watching. It's so funny when That's he goes, pleasant. go down to the Publix and get, <laughs> get some honey. honey. I think this is completely reasonable. This is I, I I love making fun of Rudy Gobert. The man can't guard on the perimeter to save his life, and he always and he always blows his team uh, blows his team shot in in the playoffs. But bees are great for the environment, and connecting to your bees when you're the when you when you have a hive gets you more honey. They, they're they're better when they're happier. It's a weird thing. Bees are fascinating. They are. Creatures, by the way, they yeah. are a linchpin of our yeah. ecosystem, yeah. and they're dying out. And Their so people, whole world, the bear in the hive, the queen. Yeah, we need people bees. like. Gobert, who got a bunch of money, who can just who can just raise a bunch of these bees without having to worry about commercializing have, the honey and all. Have that. somebody else 
handle the bees. But I'm just saying, before a game six of a playoff Randy. series, don't be handling your bees. It's just a little... What did Shaq say? Dope. Two things you need to know about bees. Number one, you're going to get stung. Yeah, right. You're going to get stung. Two, you're going to get stung. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to get stung. And if you love the bees, great. I'm sure there's a lot of time for you to kick it with the bees in the off season. Right, yeah. Get but stung then. What if his eye would have swollen shut? Now, they lost the game anyway. But mm-hmm. what if his eye would have swollen shut and he couldn't have played? They would have had a better shot. <laughs> Yikes. A uh, last game for Quinn Snyder as the Jazz coach, you think? Why, Lakers? Yeah. Yes. I'll take it. Yeah, I will too. He's Hollywood. He'd fit in he there. He fits right in. Yeah. So, And the Lakers will love him. Will they give him a chance, though, to actually do what he wants to do? No. Oh, he'll, <laughs> he'll have LeBron and he'll have that's AD. My, and here's the thing. That's my question. He's a Coach K guy. How many times have they t- hired, tried to hire Coach K there? So he was... A next chair from Coach K. So that's what the way they'll sell it is. Hey, he's a Coach K guy. Yeah. But that's the problem, I think, with the Lakers is there's too many cooks in the kitchen. If you're going to bring in Quinn Snyder, let him be the yeah. chef. Right. You don't need a sous chef. You don't need several sous chefs. You don't need a, a co-head chef. Let the man cook. A mom, let him do it. A mom and pop operation shouldn't be as dysfunctional as the Lakers are. And they are a mom and pop operation. They aren't corporate or, at all. And they are really dysfunctional. What about the giant behemoth that stands in the corner and tests every bite in a 23 jersey before it goes out to the table? In the street clothes? Yeah. Oh, well, no, oh, yeah, sorry, the six jersey, I should six say. My yeah, bad. I was going to say, because no one's testing food if they're out on the court. There's a behemoth, number six, who, who, te- who tests everything coming out from that chef, and that's the big problem right now. He doesn't wear number six anymore, or number 23, number three anymore. Yeah, I keep forgetting. The big fella. Number six. Number, number six does. Number course. number three doesn't. Number three doesn't even put on a basketball jersey anymore. <laughs> We're talking about Anthony Davis? Yeah, street clothes. Man. You know what? I hate... It is such a good nickname, but I hate saying it because it bums me out. I want to see him play, it's, but it fits. And it's a product of Inside the NBA, isn't it? Best show on television. <laughs> it is the best show on television. So bring it back. You know what? I want to hear what they have to say about everything in sports. Get them on a sports center type show. I want to hear them t- breaking down golf. I want those guys to break down the the Cardinals Mets scuffle. Imagine those guys talking about. It'd be so fun. They're they're just so entertaining. I love them. Specifically the the uh, geo clip. I want to see them talk yes, about geo hopping the fence. Me too. You're killing me, Smalls. NFL draft, Randy. It's where teams hope to change their fortunes or better themselves. Is where lifelong dreams come true for these young men who have worked so hard to get to this point. It's also an amazing night for fashion. These young guys that are getting drafted are really taking some risks when it comes to fashion. I love seeing what everyone's wearing, but I have to say, I think Sauce Gardner, Cincinnati cornerback who went to the New York Jets. Did you see his fit last night? I did. He's wearing a beautiful blue suit, mm-hmm. crisp white button-down shirt. But the two chains that my man had going last night, one that just says sauce and all diamonds mm-hmm. dripping, and one with a bottle on it that says sauce. He had the two chains going. Unbelievable look from Sauce Gardner last night. He was fantastic. I loved Jamison Williams in the Cardinal Red loved and his it. dad wearing the Cardinal cap. Yes, I thought it was wonderful. That was very cool. And the other one that I liked was the uh, Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson with the half gray, half white. Yeah. It was a good look. 
It was a good look. He didn't get drafted, but the uh, the, the inside linebacker for Georgia, he was he showed up in a pink suit with a hat on, and I was like, you know what? Good for you, my man. Yeah. And who was it? Was it Evan Neal that had that like it. the black with the the diagonal red stripe across the jacket, the across the chest? That yes, was pretty cool. That too. Did look oh, good. also the uh, the, nor- the uh, UNC offensive tackle got drafted really early. He had the he had one of his lapels. For the Nigerian flag, and yes, the other I saw one was that kind one. of plain. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Very yeah. cool. It was very fashionable. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to get you what's on tap, and then we're what's on tap at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. We're here until 10:30, and then BK and Ferrario from the Centene Ice Center will be with you until two o'clock. But we're also going to have Randy's 10 worst. <laughs> Draft Day Disasters by the St. Louis Rams. That's coming up at 10.15 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey kids, we've got tickets for you. It's your chance to win free tickets to see Dead and Company on June 21st at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets for the show are on sale now, and you can win some right now, or you can find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Dead and Company right now at the 101 ESPN app or at 101ESPN.com. But you can win tickets now. Joe Vitale wore number 46 as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so, because he uttered this phrase that pays, uh, we're going to take texter number 46 to 65780. The, the question for the phrase that pays, it's really not a phrase. It's an answer. <laughs> Michelle, if this isn't in your top three movies, you can't be friends with Joe Vitale. What award-winning film? Yes. And not only that, texter number 50 as well. So texter 46 and texter 50, 50 are going to be winners today. Oh. Oh, two sets of two winners. Two sets of winners today. What's up on a Friday? Like this a lot. All say, right. You want to say it one more time, just in case? Yeah. If you have don't like this movie, what if it's movie? not in your top three, what movie is it that you can't be friends with Joe Vitale if you if you don't have this movie in your top three? Fair enough? Good. That's 46. Uh, textures number 46 and 50. The text line is thriving. All right. Michelle... One of the interesting things about the draft night last night was that Pat McAfee was having a show during the draft mm-hmm. on the line, and he actually had Aaron Rodgers. It's funny that he can get in touch with Aaron Rodgers during the draft, but the Packers can't. I don't know why. That was in the past. That's in the past. That's in the past now. Yeah, yeah. But you had an interesting side note about Aaron Rodgers and his visit with Pat McAfee last night. So he was talking about Devontae Adams, who left to go to the Las Vegas Raiders. And when Aaron Rodgers was deciding about where his future was going to take him, there were certainly options for him on the table, but he decided to go back to the Green Bay Packers. And he shared last night that he thought Devontae was going to be there right alongside him. It was a little surprising with Devontae. Um, Obviously, when I made my decision, uh, I was still thinking he was going to come back. You know, I was I was very honest with him about my my plans and my future and where I saw you know my career going uh, as far as how many years I wanted to play. But I, I felt like you know he was going to be back. Uh, didn't obviously turn out that way. But I have so much love for Tay and appreciate the time we spent together and and definitely wish him uh, wish him the best with Derek in in uh, in Vegas. But that's a big hole to fill for sure. That's very interesting for so many reasons, because if they have that great of a relationship, 
I'm surprised that he he would be surprised by this, especially because Devonte Adams shared that he and Derek Carr had been talking about this a lot in the offseason. They had kind of been plotting that they would team up and get together in Vegas. So I don't know. There's just some sort of disconnect there for me. If your relationship is that good and, and mm-hmm. maybe he was nervous to tell Aaron Rodgers that he wanted to leave. But I would imagine if you're talking to him that much or if, if you're keeping him that informed of what your thought process is before you made this decision, that he would reciprocate that to you. Especially because the decision wasn't about business, right? Because the Packers offered Adams as much as he got from the Raiders. Right. It was... I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be with Derek Carr in Vegas. So you would have thought that he would have relayed that to Rodgers, but maybe he was just intimidated. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to tell Rodgers at that point that he wasn't going to play in Green Bay anymore. But I wonder if that would have changed Rodgers' decision. If Devontae Adams says, go ahead and sign, or don't, but I'm not playing there anymore, I wonder if that would have changed Roger's stance on forcing, trying to force a trade from Green Bay. It's also very interesting to me because the Devontae Adams situation was handled after the Aaron Rodgers situation. And maybe Aaron Rodgers and his decision caused the Green Bay Packers to have all their effort and energy going towards making sure Aaron Rodgers was locked up. And Devontae Adams kind of fell by the wayside. And meanwhile, he's talking to Derek Carr. The Raiders are Mm -hmm. wooing him. So maybe... Aaron Rodgers and his decision was actually the roadblock that stopped Devontae Adams from returning to Green Bay. That very well could be. One of the things that I find interesting, especially about the NFL now, and especially these receivers, now Tyreek Hill is an outlier because he has his Super Bowl ring, but you're A.J. Brown, and you go from the team that had the number one seed in the AFC last year to Philadelphia— which they have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. We don't know about Jalen Hurts, but he he signed a $100 million deal with the Eagles. A.J. Brown did. You get a guy like Hollywood Brown, hasn't won yet, and apparently dis- displayed some dissatisfaction with the Ravens. He goes to the Cardinals. Got a better chance to win a Super Bowl with the Ravens than you do with the Cardinals, yeah. and he'll probably get a, a deal from the Cardinals. My question is, do NFL players really care about getting a ring, or is it all about the money? Because if you're with a franchise like the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell and uh, and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, they were with the Steelers and couldn't wait to get out, right? Tyreek Hill didn't want to talk to the Chiefs anymore. They offered him a lot of money. They tried to sign him. They have a chance to win a Super Bowl this yeah. year. Now, granted, he has his ring. I, I wonder what that balance is right now between more money than you can ever spend, $100 million in A.J. Brown's case, and having an opportunity to win a Super Bowl ring. I think it depends on the person and their circumstance because not everybody's going to be Tom Brady that's going to take less Mm -hmm. money in order to put his team in a better position that ultimately puts him in the best position to win. I think some of these players... For me personally, it it would depend on my family situation. How many people do I need to take care of? I want to make sure that my parents are taken care of, that my cousins are taken care of, that my kids are taken care of. And if I'm looking at it from situation to situation, I'm going to go where the money is if it's a comparable situation as far as winning is concerned. Now, am I going to take maybe a little bit more money to go to a team where I know I have no chance to win or a little bit less money, but still a great amount of money to get on a team that I think I have a shot to win. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of factors that go into play here. But with Devontae Adams specifically, I thought it was really interesting that he would think that maybe he could get the money and have a better Mm -hmm. chance to win by going to Vegas rather than staying in Green Bay. We could have told him about Josh McDaniels. 
we've got the tape. Yeah, we sure do. Call up Sam Bradford. Ask him about Josh McDaniels. Let's see how that's going to work for you. And here's my question, Michelle. If you do, if you do want to take over, and I get that they're young, they're 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. I'm a lot older than them, and I have a lot more experience. But Uncle Randy, right? If you need a hundred million dollars to take care of your family and your cousins and your siblings and everything, and you can't do it with eighty, then you need to take a look at the family. No, but it's still twenty million dollars. What are you going to spend twenty million bucks on? An extra two? Are, does that does your family and your friends do they require that extra twenty million dollars? Because if they do, then you need to take a look at them. I, I'm not saying this generation; it's generational wealth. I am not saying no to an extra twenty million dollars, especially when you you probably didn't grow up without money or with money. None of us have. It's a very rare group of people that grow up with a hundred million dollars, and, and that's where when you talk about a, a guy like Tom Brady. Or people that just have experience. If you can spend $80 million, congratulations to you. If you can lose $80 million, congratulations to you. Yes, there is a difference between 80 and 100. You know what it is? It's ego and your agent's ego. No, I just, Tom Brady is such a rare bird. He's such a competitive guy. He also had a wife who was the top earning model, mm-hmm. supermodel in the world. So whether he had the money coming in or not, his family never had to worry about anything ever again. I, I don't think that it's necessarily ego. I don't think that it's your family you need to look at. I think it's a practical thing. Who doesn't want more money? This is We live in a capitalist that's, society. That's, that's, that's the all, issue. That's, we're, that's we're the, the issue because for the most pe- money. people think money can make them happy. And that's one of the great things about the group that Dick Vermeil collected. Isaac Bruce got a seven-year deal for $45 million. Never became a free agent. Tory Holt signed a seven-year deal for $45 million. Never became a free agent. Kurt Warner signed seven years, $52 million. Became a free agent when he left. Uh, Orlando Pace, seven years, $52 million. Those people wanted to help. They, they wanted to win. That's, sure. that's what it was about for yeah. them. And they understood that with $45 million, Kurt is working, doesn't have to work another day in his life. Marshall. Doesn't have to work another day in his life. Tory doesn't. Isaac doesn't. Because they understand that $45 million is enough if you play your cards the right way. Yeah, but if I'm putting my body and my brain on the line every week, and guess what? I could I could tear my ankle up and mm-hmm. never play another down in the NFL. And I know, by the way, if I miss a step, that they're going to treat me like a cog. The, this entity does not care about me. I need to handle my business and get my bag while I can. And there has to be a balance, certainly, between wanting to win and wanting to get what you've earned. But I'm I'm looking at these owners. They're counting every single penny. Why should I not get mine? I'm not saying you shouldn't get yours. I'm just saying if you... I'm never, I'm never going to discount someone for wanting more money. <laughs> if you can't survive on $80 million, you're an idiot. I don't think it's about survival. I think it's about getting everything that you can in the small window See, that and you can get it. That's the trade that you have to make is the greed versus the ring. But you're not guaranteed a ring anyway. No, Just but, because you uh, take less money doesn't mean that it's a that's, guaranteed that's Super Bowl. I, my question was, would you rather go to Arizona's never won a Super Bowl. Would you rather be in a place like Baltimore, where every year they're competitive for a Super Bowl, or a place like Arizona, where since 1947, they have not won a championship and they've been to one Super Bowl? Where would you rather take your chances to win? 
I'm going to take the money, and it's not guaranteed either way. And I don't think that going yeah. to Arizona is, is – you're not going to Detroit. You're not going to a place where you have no shot to win. You have a young quarterback who's very yeah. talented. Uh, the, I I don't know. I think that it would be very difficult to walk to walk away from. It's very easy for us to sit here and pontificate on it. Mm-hmm. You tell me that there's two contracts in front of you, and one is $20 million more than the other one, and that you can walk away from if it. If I'm happy in a place – and this is, comes back to age and wisdom – doesn't matter how much money you have, that doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, but happiness is what you make it. I could be in a trailer park and be happy. It's all about the people who are around you, but guess what? Happiness could also be on a boat. Happiness could also be knowing that your parents never have to work another day in their life. Happiness could also be thinking that your great-great-great-grandkids, their college is taken care of. It's different for every single person. That's right. Some people, clearly, the winning part, the legacy part of being an athlete doesn't matter to them. That's And that's the, the, the debate here, right? It's what matters to you. Is it having a, a history of winning? Is it having that ring or is it having the money? And I get the, the having the money. But my, my question would be, again, if you have logical people that are working with you, you should be able to handle everything you need to financially with $80 million. But you're not guaranteed to win. You're not guaranteed well, I, to I'm win. I'm not asking about guaranteed. I'm just saying I, take your chances at a place to win. Would you you're rather, taking your chances wherever you go. Yeah, but you're really taking your chances if you take the contract from Arizona or the Jets, right? The Jets were in the AFC Championship game with Mark Sanchez. It depends on the year. I mean, Arizona was in the Super yeah. Bowl with Kurt Warner. It all It's not as if you go to no. one place and your fortunes are set in stone. Things can change throughout the length of your contract. There are franchises in sports, Michelle, that because of their DNA, they don't have a chance. Like which one? The Arizona Cardinals being one of them. The Detroit Lions being one of them. It's just, that's the reality of the situation. If you're a football player and... So then should Jamison Williams just not go there since he was drafted and his no, fortunes he, he already drafted, written? he has to. That's part of, his, well, part of the deal. he could walk away. He could go get a job somewhere else. He could be a coach somewhere. He doesn't where, have to play. I mean, he, if he's a competitor, Randy, so, why would he want to go somewhere where it's set in stone? He's, he's not going to he, win. He's got to be there for five years, right? He doesn't have to. He could say, you know what, I, 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 I don't want to do I, I this I think anymore. this is a specious argument on your point to say that, no, I'm not going to play football. And I'm, I'm going to turn down. John Elway has said, Eli Manning, there's guys who say, you drafted me. I don't want to be here. I can move away from this. He could do that. So should he do that? Since it's all about being a competitor and going in a place to win, right? As should he, should he not even want to go there? I'm, I think you're changing the argument here. I was talking about veteran receivers that have requested trades and gone for money. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Hollywood the, Brown. You're talking about... I, I think rookies... Tell me if I'm wrong here. I think a rookie being drafted into the league is a little bit different than being a, a year away from free agency. I don't know. I think a competitor is a competitor. And you're ta- you're talking about only wanting to be somewhere if you think you have a chance to win regardless right. of money. But when you, th- there are rules. And when you get drafted, now he, he can say, yes, I don't want to go. But is that the smart move on his part or his agent's part? Uh, there are rules in the draft, right? You get drafted, you go to that place for four years, and then you can move on. Yeah, I guess. So that's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Matt Holiday on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
congratulations to Joe from St. Louis and Buddy from St. Charles. They both are headed to Dead End Company on June 21st at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets for the show on sale now. Find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Dead End Company right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. Tim McKernan is out. Quote, air quotes, sick on today. A Friday, uh-huh. So uh-huh. a little extra character in Smallman until 10.30, and then BK and Ferrario will take over. I got the the boomer. I, I love the boomer call. People think the boomers are unhappy with when you have a boomer take. I'm, I'm, I'm a very happy boomer because, hey, because my group left your group a, a world that's kind of a disaster. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> it Thanks <is>. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a mess. So, so, but but I'm happy Why right now. Why do you now? think we need more money, Randy? You <laughs> left us in a disaster. That's true. Of course, I'm taking a hundred million dollars. Thanks do to you a, guys. Do I, a, do I have a bell or a ding somewhere <laughs> dropping this thing? Ding, ding, ding. Jeez, please, we're all in debt just to go to college to try to get a job. Of course, I'm taking a hundred million dollars, and then the government's going to tax me on it. Give me more money, Randy. I went to college to do this. Why did no one tell me that wasn't necessary? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do that, did Ridiculous. You? As it turns out. Wait, so people are There's calling you a boomer? Yeah, boomer takes and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So, and Listen, take. I just, I have been in the the workforce long enough, and I love my job. I love working with you guys. I love my bosses. I love this company. I am very lucky that I work in mm-hmm. a great spot. Not everybody is the same. And I know that the corporations, the NFL, they're going to take every dollar that they can. So why am I not doing the same thing? I'm just reacting to the way that they're going to treat me. But, and the last, my last point here, and I'll give you the last word. Okay. Are you sure? Promise. <laughs> we are here with every tool in the toolbox to win. They give us every opportunity to be number one. And I like... I can't imagine being oh, you mean uh, our, well, our situation. Yeah, yes. I, I have been in places where I had no chance to be number one, and I hated it. Yes, I understand that. But I also think you're looking at it from a fan perspective and a romantic perspective of, of like, we. We are all pulling the rope the same way, and everybody. I want to go to this organization mm-hmm. because I know that I'm going to have a chance to win, and everybody's going to be on the ba- same page. And you may think that, you may idealize it, and then you get in the building, and you're like, well, "This guy next to me is a jerk. He's out partying every night. He doesn't care." Until you get in that situation, it's not a guarantee. But you know what is a guarantee? A hundred million dollar contract. You know what we need to do? What is get a guy that we both respect, Chris Long, on the show to talk about this? I think that he's in a very unique situation because he grew up with a dad who made a lot of money. But he's a really smart guy. He's a brilliant guy, and he knows what it's like to lose, and he knows what it's like to have guaranteed money, and then Mm -hmm. he went somewhere to win. But I think it's very different when you grow up in privileged circumstances. Yeah. Uh, Matt Holliday was on with the fast lane yesterday, and there was a lot of fallout, obviously, from the, the scrum on Sunday. And Matt was asked about whether or not, like, what happened with Nolan Arenado? He was ever in a position to get hit by the opposition. And one time against the Dodgers, it happened. I, I think when it's done right, I think Clayton Kershaw hit me once on purpose after we had hit uh, Hanley Ramirez and broke his hand in the playoffs. And then the next year, uh, we hit him again in like the <laughs> first week of the season. And I think it was Joe Kelly, maybe both times. And oh. so, <laughs> I knew that one of us was getting it. I figured it was me, but we were only, I think we were only down one run and maybe the seventh and I was leading off the inning and I thought, nah, this won't be it. Like, this is not the time. Like they're surely, they're not going to put the leadoff runner on. 
and sure enough, first pitch, like, <laughs> his whole body is aiming like towards me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that was definitely on purpose and uh, hit me right in the quad. And I didn't react. And so I just kind of took it and ran to first. Like he, you know, it was all he had. And so, you know, it hurt, but I, I didn't want anybody to know it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key. You don't want anybody to know it hurts. And then do you do you have the? Can we grab the second part of that? Whether where they got the picture, this because Wayno and Kershaw are tight, uh-huh. and so if Matthew can grab that, they the next day because Matt obviously just walks down to first like nothing happened, and then winds up obviously when you get a Clayton Kershaw fastball to the quad, it winds up having an effect on you, and physically it did have an effect on on Matt. Here it is. The uh, you know after the game, I know Clayton pretty well, and Wayno's pretty good friends with him and so um i think maybe the next day i had a giant like the bruise was pretty intense and so i i, I had wayno take a picture of of my middle finger over the bruise <laughs> and, and send it to him and he's like oh good that makes me feel better i when i hit you i didn't think it bothered you at all <laughs> that's the worst feeling how great is that <laughs> Yeah, imagine if you're Clayton Kershaw and you plunk him and he just strolls on down to first base. You're thinking, man, at least I thought I tagged him a little bit. <laughs> so some great stories. And what a great storyteller Matt Holiday is. So to have, can you imagine what it must have been, how much fun it must have been in that clubhouse with Matt and Wayno? in the same clubhouse together. Oh, I'm sure it was so much fun. Yeah, it's so much fun on our station to have. We have Wayno once a week, and so does the Fast Lane have a holiday once a week. It's great radio. So we wanted you to hear that again and to just give you a little bit of a chuckle. Coming up next, Randy Carricker's 10 Most Horrific St. Louis oh, NFL Draft Stories on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It is and it's NFL Draft Weekend, and it's really important during NFL Draft Weekend to take a look back at some of the glorious days we had as fans of the St. Louis Rams. And the St. Louis Rams, Michelle, had their issues in regards to drafting well. They, yeah, you could say that, yeah. They, it was not all great. It was not all sunshine lollipops. So... With that being the case, I'm going to give you my top 10 St. Louis NFL draft horror stories, okay? Oh, gosh, okay. Here we go. Number 10, 06 draft. Maybe the worst draft by a team in the history of the National Football League. We're going to get to the top pick in a moment. But in the second round, you took Joe Klopfenstein. Mm. In the third round, you took... Claude Roten, Dominique Bird, and John Alston. None of those players were with the St. Louis Rams beyond their second year. None of them made a third year with the St. Louis Rams. Wow. That's embarrassing. And, yeah, so you you had... The draft used to be set up so you had the first through third rounds on the first day and the rest of the draft on the second day. So that day you had Ty Hill, Joe Klopfenstein, Claude Roten, John Alston, Dominique Bird. And uh, the... Two stories that I have, John Alston got cut before training camp ended, and Dominique Bird, when Matt Leinard, his quarterback in college, was asked his main memories about Dominique Bird, he said, well, I remember he fell asleep in meetings all the time. Oh, great. Okay. Number nine, 2013, the Rams trade up to number eight so that they can take Tavon Austin. Trade from 16 to eight to take Tavon Austin. Now, 
This is the reason this is nine is because I was mildly excited about it. But Michelle, they took Tavon Austin at number eight. At number twenty-seven in that draft, the Houston Texans took DeAndre Hopkins. Same same position, except Hopkins a little bit better. Not as yes. egregious, but also I think the secondary note is that a few rounds later, they drafted a wide receiver from the same college who was an undoubtedly better mm-hmm. receiver than Tavon Austin yeah. in Stedman Bailey. Yeah, not great. Oh, yeah. N- number eight. <laughs> Forgot about him, too. Yeah. Stedman Bailey. Yeah. Oh, Yikes. boy. Uh, he got shot. Hey, he, was, yeah, he was having a good NFL career yeah. until that happened. Uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> N- number eight. 2008, we loved the first pick. It was Chris Long. Okay, Logical pick had the best career of any of those guys drafted after him. Number two overall, love him. Second round in 08, Deshaun Jackson from Cal is on the board. But the Rams decided to take Houston's Donnie Avery, who never did anything in the NFL. Yeah, Donnie Avery. God, these names, Randy, are just bringing back some memories. Number seven. Rams had an opportunity to fix their offense and to protect their quarterback, Sam Bradford. It's a 2012 draft. It's, it's the first one for Jeff Fisher, who, as it turns out, the game had passed by. He's, yes. And he had already torn his ACL, Sam. At this oh, point, yeah, at right? one point. Yeah, yeah. so, so you, knew what, you need to protect him more than ever. You do. And there is a future borderline Hall of Fame guard from Stanford on the board named David DeCastro. And the Rams decided to take LSU defensive tackle Michael Brockers. They take a nose tackle with the 12th pick in the draft. DeCastro just retired from the Steelers and had a spectacular career. And the Rams decided not to work on the offense, but to work on a nose tackle, which you can get in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. yeah. Number six, there is an extraordinarily polished offensive lineman at Texas A&M who grew up under the tutelage of his former offensive tackle dad named Jake Matthews. Yes. He's played center, he's played guard, he's played tackle (laughs) at Texas A&M. There's also a 20-year-old that's played one year and never put his hand in the dirt named Greg Robinson from Auburn. And with the second pick in the draft, this is only number six, you take Greg Robinson rather than Jake Matthews. But they, they know Auburn, Randy. They know him well. They were gonna. They were gonna run the. They were gonna run the football. Okay. Ugh, uh, so n- so bad. Number five. You have the eleventh pick. You trade down to number fifteen. What year is this? This is two thousand six. Okay. Oh. And with number fifteen, you take Ty Hill. If you had stayed at number eleven, and the Broncos traded up so that they could take Jay Cutler. If you had stayed at number 11, there was Haloti Nada on the mm. board. Defensive tackle, future Hall of Famer, wound up going number 12 to the Baltimore Ravens. This is a painful exercise. It is. 07. <laughs> this is number four. This is the year after that. It's amazing that all of these aren't just tied for first. It really is remarkable. It's so bad. They take my cousin uh, Adam. Not really my cousin because right. he didn't wind up, be, wind up being a good enough player. So you disowned him? But Yeah, kind of. But the Rams take... Adam Carricker and move him from defensive end, 3-4 defensive end in college to defensive tackle in the pros. And with the next pick, the New York Jets take Darrell Revis. Pretty good. Had his own island. He's a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah. Uh, number three, and this is a, a real waste. Not that Eugene Monroe wound up being great, but I remember asking Chris Long after his rookie year. I said, hey, how's Monroe, UVA guy? He said, oh, man. I practiced against him every day in school, and he's as good as anybody I faced this year, my rookie year in the NFL. Eugene Monroe was a guy. And the Rams take another player that was a converted tight end and then had not played with his hand in the dirt in Jason Smith, who they coached to lead with his head. Two things about Jason Smith. Number one, first day of minicamp, not training camp, first day of minicamp, 
Spags and the offensive line coach are out there, and they say, yeah, this guy can't play left tackle for us. And, and you drafted him to play left tackle. Drafted him number two to play left tackle. Yeah, okay, great. And Just then the offensive line coach coaches him to lead with his head, and he winds up having a career riddled with concussions. Number two, Michelle. This is number two out of our top ten. How is that one not number one? Uh, it gets better. Great. Or worse. Number two. With the Rams scrambling because the Seattle Seahawks had taken Marcus Trufant with uh, with the 12th pick in the draft, the Rams scrambled. It's like, humana, humana, humana. And they wind up taking Jimmy Kennedy with the 13th pick, defensive tackle from Penn State. They had the conversation during the 15 minutes after the Trufant pick by Seattle. Somebody in the room says, "Well, what about Troy Polamalu, the safety Aww. from USC?" USC, and somebody even mentioned him. the administration, including Mike Mart, say, "Nah, you don't want to spend that kind of a pick on a safety. You don't want to spend that kind of a money on a safety." So they go get Jimmy Kennedy, who did get a Super Bowl ring with the Giants, helped save the world, but <laughs> they could have taken Troy Polamalu. <sighs> and Michelle, here's my number one. Do you? Do we like the idea of a number one here? Yes. Okay, here uh, well, we go. I, I probably we, we don't can't like wait. the idea of it. Okay, so here it is, number one. Michelle, it was 1996. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George, is on the board. Mm-hmm. I asked the head coach at the time, Rich Brooks, why would you like this troubled Nebraska running back, Lawrence Phillips, mm-hmm. more than Eddie George. Phillips ran a 4 4 5 40. George ran a 4 5 0 40. I said, oh, how often are they going to run 40 yards? He said, well, when they do, I want to have the fastest guy. The Rams take Lawrence Phillips ahead of Eddie George later in the draft. There are two wide receivers on the board. The Rams need a wide receiver. Logical guy. Number one pick. Marvin Harrison from mm-hmm. Syracuse is on the board. Pretty good. Rams take LSU's Eddie Kennison because he weighed five pounds more. That's it. Eddie Kennison weighed 180. Marvin Harrison weighed 175. We want the bigger, more sturdy guy. Oh. So they take Kennison, and then with the next pick, the Colts take the Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. And that wound up being number one. But, Michelle... Here's the good thing about this. I I said that I would make horrific good for you, didn't I? Yes, you did. You did promise that. If they take Eddie George and they take Marvin Harrison, Uh they wind up being reasonable. They probably don't even fire Rich Brooks. Yes. They never trade for Marshall Falk. Yes, Randy. They never draft Tory Holt. In fact, the the Phillips and Kennison choices probably sealed the fate of Rich Brooks and Steve Ortmeyer, coach and general manager. So you bring in DV, he gets a different running back. If you don't have Eddie George, might have been fine. He would have been fine for DV, but you don't get the Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. And they wound up trading a two and a five for Falk. It wound up being that second round pick that was Eddie Kennison. Mm-hmm. He he gets them a second round pick. And then they trade a number five, or t- trade Tony Banks for number five. So basically, you traded Tony Banks and Eddie Kennison for Marshall Falk. So it worked out okay. So then they won a Super Bowl. So you're telling me a bad draft is that was actually a good thing? A bad draft foretold good things for the St. Louis Rams, but only one time. Yeah, only once. Uh, yeah, they they didn't get a lot of benefit from the uh, Adam Carricker or Ty Hill or Jason Smith or Jim Jimmy Kennedy or Greg Robinson. Yeah, didn't work out great for him. Michael Brockers was played in the Super Bowl for him, I guess. Donnie Avery wasn't that great. I don't think he lasted a fourth year here. 
Tavon. Yeah. Mm. Got a lot of money. Joe Klopfenstein. Claude Roten. Claude Roten. Yeah. That was not good. Dominique Bird, John Olsen. Claude Roten. No one else in the no one else was going to take him for two more rounds. Yeah. That's the thing I, I'll never forget is like every other executive was like, Yeah, he had he had a lot of uh issues at LSU. Maybe a fifth round flyer we would have taken him. Yeah. Maybe. There are a lot more bad St. Louis Rams draft memories than good, as it turns out. I have to tell you, one of my favorite days of the sports calendar was the Friday after the first round of the draft, where we would all be just bummed out. Like, (laughs) what? They got who? And who was still left on the board? Mm -hmm. It was just fun to commiserate as a community. Right, it but was. there was it was tinged with hope. Like maybe this time they're smarter than we're going to give them credit for. Yeah. Maybe this time it'll work out. We don't think it will, but maybe it will. We lost the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> <sighs> we sure did. <laughs> oh man, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, pleasure, Michelle. This was fun. I I loved re- reliving these old uh, Claude Roten memories. I was going to say, was it mean of us to do that as our last segment on a Friday? Yeah, just no. leave people with all the bad Rams draft picks. Uh, because Jets, Jets fans right now are very happy. They are. So if but, you're a football fan and you got a team, you're you're excited. So was the day after those draft picks made, you were still happy because you were you were probably feeling positive and hopeful until it became clear that they they were trying to lose. Like I was excited about Lawrence Phillips, I'll, I'll admit, but. He's very talented. Yeah, and Jimmy Kennedy was a boisterous guy. He said, "Yeah, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you pick the right guy." But once you get into the Michael Brockers and the Tavons and the uh, Greg Robinsons, and you knew they were just doing it so that they could leave, then it got a little frustrating. Yeah, you were not pleased with the Brockers pick. I remember that. Stupid. (laughs) Still stupid. I was producing that day. You were not pleased. No, not pleased at all. Uh, have a great day and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. I'll see you Monday. For all of you, I'll see you tonight at the game. Oh, yeah. I'll see you tonight yeah. at the game. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues, yeah. yeah. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.